This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand, providing high-strength formulations to support recovery, elevate energy, and relieve joint inflammation for endurance athletes. Available now at pillarperformance.com.au. Welcome to episode number 228 of the Inside Rome podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Big show coming at you. A lot to discuss this week. We'll go to Japan, talk about the marathon over there. Nagoya that happened yesterday. Box Hill Burn to talk about. Australian 3K champs to talk about. Maybe a bit of a preview for the World Indoor Champs that's coming up this weekend. So uh, plenty happening in the world of Australian distance running. Joined, as always, by my co-host up in Canberra, the 347 1500 metre man, Bradley Croker. Welcome to you. Thanks, mate. It's 348. But, Is it 348? Yeah, oh, thanks, sorry. Thanks, sorry. For, thanks, thanks for the second. You never correct people when they when they give you a bit of time, do you? Uh, no, nah, I'm happy to be honest. That's honest of you. Sorry, I always thought you were 347. Nah, 48. Okay. Does it matter? They're both shit. <laughs> both pretty good, I reckon. And the 214 man down in, uh, where are you? Anglesey. Julian Spence, welcome to you on the podcast this week. Thanks. Yeah, 214, 215. That's quite the deal. But one second, come on. At the end of the day, you're only as good as your last race. You're a 32 minute man. Thank <laughs> oh, you for saying that. You're only as good as your fastest marathon PB. I'm a 1443 man. Straight off the top rope. Hey, we're just, I was just talking about that at dinner, Croaks. What date was that race? Your uh, last race? Yeah, it was around like the 20 something of March. Yeah, so nearly 12 months ago. Yeah, so I haven't raced since. Mind you, I, I paced Sinead for a couple of those sessions. They were they were half marathon races. They were races for you. So if you're a listener that's just started listening to us pretty much a year ago, you would have only heard you race once in this time. Yeah, well, we had freaking, we had COVID as well. Oh, mate, Canberra like, wasn't affected by the pandemic. You guys. Oh, shit. Every, everything pretty much got shut down from like August last year. People have still raced more than once in 12 months. A lot, of races, yeah, a lot of races happened. How many races have you done, Moose, in the last year? I had a surgery in September. No, well, before then. You've done two Killing. this year, though, Moose, haven't you? Two in yeah, 2022. Already two. I already got two on my list. Are they ra- races or tempos? <laughs> I tempo within the race. Uh, yeah, so it's been about a year. Been about a year. Oh, well, next one's coming up shortly. Uh, you want to tell us about your week, or Moose, do you want to go first? Okay. Moose can go. Moose, you go, Moose. Tell us what's been happening down your way. Yeah. Life a bit more routine this week or still pretty crazy with the business? Uh, settled into routine, which yeah, was good. good. Um, yeah, the, the days of like getting there super early, leaving super late, like this week there was a bit less of that. So I, um, I managed to get, like, get some runs in this week. Uh, maybe 
Maybe too many because I got a bit of a, a sore knee today. Mm. Um, the, like the bad knee, the knee that I got the surgery on. I was feeling okay after my long run yesterday. And then I um, sort of got a bit sore during the day, but then. Because um, it was just, was it last week that you were saying, were you doing some downhill stuff? How good it was feeling, yeah. 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 When you did that, really good. You did that kind of handicapped uh, trail kind of mountain, hilly kind yeah. of time trial, and you said you liked the new feeling of the new knee going down the hills. Exactly. Then Brady, yeah. But he also said that he was so under the pump and that running was going to be changing for him, and I think he did about five doubles last week. Yeah. <laughs> doubles. He, he also no. would have had a chip on his shoulder after that 32, though. He was yeah. coming back hungry. That changed things a little. <laughs> Um, I think doubles is okay. The second double is only half an hour. That's not no. But the point was, it weren't, like you're so busy. Like if you're getting out for double runs, like you're getting, you know, you're not under the pump as much. You don't find time for it, Croaks. You make time for it. Yeah. Okay. You ever there heard that are. one? Yeah. Kick us off with Monday. Monday, I ran in the morning for an hour. Ran on a loop out. Actually, it was a bit hillier than I thought. Um, well, than I planned, but felt really good. Like, honestly, just felt cruisy and, and enjoyed it. Got out pretty early. So it was like, sun sort of comes up now just after seven, but it, the, the actual sunrise, the, like the, where you see the sun coming up is about 7.30. So it's pretty, pretty cool to be out there when that happens. There's something special, I call it the orange doctor, the sunrise effect. If you're out there before the sun rises and you're, you stay at like you kind of see the transition from from dark to light. There, there is something about that. I'm telling you, um, this feels great, and I think it's like the same sort of effect that you get when you swim in the ocean, um, especially when it's cold. I don't know. Anyway, um, next uh, that that afternoon, I ran um, just from work, so starting to find some loops from work, like a double, half an hour, um, just down to the Geelong foreshore, like the Esplanade area, the waterfront, and then back. Tuesday, uh, did a, just a, another run, so because of the workout, or because of the race, I ran an hour, and I ran in the Adrenaline 22. You boys get a pair of them back? Oh, you didn't. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. you did? Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah I really like them. Yeah, dark net, like a navy. Um, I'm enjoying them. Yeah, I've sort of yeah. pulled them back out lately, actually. Do you find you do that a lot? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I've just been doing it with the Vongo a bit. Which me too. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Running the Vongo on Sunday, I'm like, why haven't I been running in this? I like it. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. But I think mm. it's because, especially if you got little niggles and stuff that you're trying to get over, you don't want to jump in those like a newer pair of shoes that you might not have purchased in the past. Yeah. And then, like, when you're covering the ground all right and things are going okay, it's like, oh, I'll give that a go again, that shoe. And then, yeah, it's like a bit of a favorite. I, th- I think we get caught up in the real soft, spongy shoes. Mm. And these, these, the Vongo and the Adrenaline, are both the firmer, more grounded, stable shoes. So, I've, I've, yeah. yeah. I've actually detoxed myself off Nike Invincibles because I was mm. doing too much in them. And, yeah, I'd nearly do. I do all my runs in the like, but not if I was doubling. And I just took them out. And I'm just like, no, nah, I've got to get away from that shoe. It's too soft. I think you can use them as a great double shoe. Mm. Like yeah. I reckon that's probably the perfect, um, the perfect spot for them. 
for the second run you mean like so if you're doubling yeah, with say 60 the, 30 yeah. use it for the 30 yeah exactly especially yeah. on workout days i think so like when your legs are a bit beat up it's okay yeah i i think mine are a bit cooked right now both of them because i'm not loving them and i'm loving the firmer shoes mm. but I, I think it also depends with how you're running too when you're when you're struggling a little bit i i tend to like or you're running a bit slower i tend to like more cushy shoes whereas when i'm starting to feel better I like something firmer underfoot. Mm. But, yeah, the Just get a bit close to your mic, Moose. Is he a bit quiet for you, Brad? No, not too bad. Okay. Maybe I'll just turn my volume up. I'll get a bit closer. Just really um, get on it. So the I, I don't use – anyway, um, the, that was just a, a one-run day because that afternoon I had a had an appointment after work, like a, um, like a catch-up, like local podiatry clinic came in and we talked shoes for the evening. So the next morning was actually my day off. So first day off in a long time. Got out for 30 minutes in the morning. Bit of a late start after um, kind of being lazy, really. And then the afternoon I did did a workout. So four by seven minutes at uh, heart rate and then two minutes jog. So I wasn't too concerned with the pace. Again, just wanted to get like a, um, okay, I guess a, a, a C to B type workout in, and I and I did that. Uh, so then, the next morning, did my loop again. Hour loop. This one was a little earlier, so a little darker, so a little slower, and recovering from the day before. So an hour. Uh, afternoon, watched him jumped on the treadie for thirty minutes, and then the next day I did a like a a B workout, I guess you call it for me. So. I did an hour on my same loop, but I ran a fartlek out there. So I just I, I did a mile to warm up to the basically to the bottom of the first hill, and then I ran the loop. But the the plan was to run the uphills hard, and then every time I would be on a downhill, I would jog it, and then if I got to a flatter part of the course or the loop, I would just run like short probably. 15 to 60 second surges, um, just unstructured. I would just pick out something ahead and run hard to it. And then I would jog until I felt like I was ready to go again. And so it was actually quite an enjoyable workout when there's no expectation to meet. You can't really feel disappointed at the end. <laughs> it takes the pressure off greatly. Even like there was no heart rate expectation, no pace. Uh, there was no like racing involved. I was out there by myself and, think i'm going to keep doing this type of workout in in the future and you can get it done like that was an hour probably stretch this out to 70 minutes and increase the warm-up and cool down keep the keep the fart look around 45 minutes i reckon i reckon that's about the right amount of time um and maybe take it over some some new loops so you can you get different gradients it's not quite the same as doing hill repeats because each hill is different it's a different gradient and it's a different length and it's a uh, it's a different surface as well. So it's a lot more varied the the fartlek than if you just did straight hill reps. And you don't really recover like you go downhill, but some of them were um, some of them are like gradual climbs the whole way, so you don't get a lot of respite on those. Now next that afternoon, I just had a jog in. Uh, Geelong, so on my way home, I just park at Finesford and run um, 
run around the river a little bit, run into the boys who were finishing their cool down. And then uh, next morning was really like this was Saturday, so out there at the door a bit earlier and got this big orange sun just come over the, the cliffs up on the um, up on the Surf Coast Walk, it's called. It's a trail that runs between Fairhaven and Torquay. And the, uh, the, the cliffs that, like the sun comes up and the cliffs are sort of, um, they're like that red rock. And so they're, they're super dark red, uh, like all different colors as the layers of the cliff go down. And then there was smoke from burning off. They were burning off in the area. You can see I, I ran a few out and backs because the trails were shut. And it was just a, it was just a bit of an eerie, an eerie scene. Um, so that was a good Saturday morning. Saturday Arvo, I uh, got home a bit earlier, a bit quieter on Saturday. So I got home and, and jogged around Anglesey. That was, that was a hard run after knocking off work on a Saturday and <laughs> having to get back out there. And then next morning I had a good long run actually. So I went out to Forest Road, Gumflats Road Loop, uh, ran 100. Well, no, sorry, that was my total. Ran 27 and a half k, two hours flat, and it was 4:22, but my heart rate was really good. It was sort of low 136, and uh, then I finished this run thinking, "Gee, I'm going all right. Like I feel good. I felt really good on this run. Knee feels good." And then yeah, that that afternoon started to get a bit sore, and then woke up a little sore, and and I just got to be careful the next few days. Yeah, so no Tuesday workout, be safe. I think so. Maybe just no double tomorrow. We'll see how we go. If it pulls up well from I, I look back and I think, gee, on Sunday night I was fine and it's only Monday afternoon now, so it's only really come up today. Mm. So I'm not too stressed about it. It does, like given what the last one ended up with, a um, an arthroscope, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not... I'm not too positive about it but i'm also not ruling not ruling out a short a short like batch of injury and then back at it we'll just see how we go yeah because that's a good week isn't it 137 it says here but have you got any stuff not up there oh yeah yeah i'd say it's more like 145 146 okay yeah it's a good week do four Mm. of those and you'll be pretty fit well not four like 40 of those that's what i need it depends on how what you classify as pretty fit you'll be going all right if you do that for four weeks four weeks that's not long enough another month of that that's that's a solid five weeks you might be out of it for so long like i need i need i need at least four months of that when are you starting speed work for stall or have you just been doing secret stuff and not put on strava just been doing plyos um do some heavy squats, deep squatting. Yeah, no, there's not there's not much going on for stall. Not yet. Stall stall rely on my natural sprinting ability. <laughs> okay. Alex, <laughs> what have you been doing? Uh, yeah, I had a pretty good week actually. I did an hour loop um, at Mulligans on the Monday. Uh, yeah, so there's like one loop you can do that's um, well, I was about twelve point seven k without having to sort of. Um, backtrack or do multiple loops so then i just added on a little bit extra just to make it an hour so that was just 422s and then tuesday morning did a session on the treadmill uh five by six minutes one minute rest um it's went pretty well actually i did the same session 
three and a half weeks before this, but I only did four of them, but at the same pace. So I had it on 17K an hour, which is around 330s. And this time around, my, my average heart rate for every rep was about four or five beats lower. So average heart rate for most, like the first one was quite low, sort of 155, but then the rest were all sort of low to mid 160s average for the reps. And I think my max max heart rate was only 165 or something. So um, that was just another one of those like comfortably hard sessions, felt pretty good at the end of it. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, sort of midweek long run. So I got through 19K. Um, 418s and listen to the Josh Kerr interview. So that, because it's like a, it's just under two hours. So I started listening to it when I jumped in the car to drive to Mulligan's uh, and then finished it pretty much just as I got back home. So really, really good interview. Um, yeah, and you'll get part two of that tonight. Go top 10, um, wouldn't it? Top 10 of all time? Uh, yeah, like it was just, yeah, I guess we're not used to having interviews like that long. Um, but and he just speaks so well. He's real, real honest, Josh. Um, so yeah, and obviously Luke's got like a, a pretty good relationship with those sort of guys, both having been on the circuit before. So yeah, Luke very had enjoyable. That stuff written down, or he just pulls those numbers out. Like he'd know uh, races from like his college days and stuff like that, just off the top of his head. Yeah, super, I'd like to think he did, did a did a little bit of research though. Yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then Thursday I did 45 minutes. So Thursday now is my – I try and get through like an hour on the Monday, trying to go a bit longer on the Wednesday. And so Thursday is probably like my my shortest run for the week. So I just do like 45 minutes. So uh, 420s and then I actually did a few strides because um, I've been – like I've been wanting to do strides, but I just sort of get to the end of the run. And I'm just like, oh, stuff it. I'm just going to go home. But this time I actually did do some strides and, uh, yes, yeah, or a snake crossing the path. So, uh, but it was too far away. I couldn't actually see what it was. By the time I actually went to see what it was, it, it, it um, slithered off into the uh, the thick grass. You don't, uh, yeah, and... you don't clock your strides on Strava? No. Nah. Nah. Why not? Count for extra yeah, case? Uh, it doesn't bother me. Happy to stop. Happy to stop the watch after the. Uh, um, oh, but then like how accurate? The how accurate? But how accurate is going to be on a twenty second, twenty second thing with the GPS? Like I, I reckon, wouldn't. I reckon the Coros is pretty accurate over twenty. Yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into it, and and I think like I don't think strides are a thing where you necessarily like I'm on a dirt path. Like you just want to you want to feel it, not try and hit hit splits. Yeah. Well, you, unless you're doing it yeah, on the track like, yeah, but even then it's like I think you just want to ease into it and, and feel good doing it and if you're looking down at your watch over a 20 second split you're not really running with good form mm. so anyway that's just me uh, so then Friday morning I went out and did a hill session um, so ran from home down to yeah this road hill which oh, I haven't I haven't been out this since like 2016. I haven't run on this this bike path. So yeah, it's a bike path that runs next to sort of a major road. Uh, so I wasn't really sure exactly how many I was going to do. I knew that I wanted to do two sets of yeah at the hill around 200 meters. Um, so I ended up doing two sets of seven hills with three minutes between the sets, and I was jogging. So the hills were taking me between like 41 and 43 seconds and I was jogging back in about about 70. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, it took three minutes uh, in between the sets. And like, yeah, this was definitely a, 
like all my sessions have been like that sort of B. Like I wouldn't say this wasn't quite an A, but it's just higher intensity. And I definitely noticed like the days after this that I was a little bit more banged up just from the higher intensity. But it was it was nice doing some hills again because I really haven't done many hill sessions in the last year year or two. So uh, it's one thing I'm going to keep doing. Like every probably two weeks, I'll do this hill session um but i'll slowly sort of build it up to maybe two sets of 10. you got the course record as well congratulations yeah thank you who had it before you Still oh, i don't summer? know yeah i guess so um yeah so i basically just went from this so i measured uh i measured it out so, uh, on the gps and then i ended up just going from like pole to pole so it ended up being probably like 230 meters maybe in length um yeah and then just jogged home then that afternoon went out to mulligans for a double so i just did a seven and a half k loop for 20s saturday morning listened to the long and the short of it um episode 10 so that's the last one for the season uh yes yeah, 422s for an hour jumped on the treadmill that afternoon watched a bit of the rugby league the roosters and the knights play uh just 35 minutes uh, at 12k an hour or five minute k's and yeah, heart rate was really low on that one. I was like one in the 120 average. And then Sunday, two hours. And uh, so I got through just over 28K, 415s. And I added on, um, so this is probably the the long run I used to do a lot more, which had it, yeah, had some hill, like had a decent sort of hill in it over the last sort of part before like a downhill finish. So um, yeah, decent amount of climbing, 300, like 300 and something um, for a week of 100 and. 134k so it's my biggest week since like november last year early november last year so uh pretty good week i think yeah you're getting fit when's that um park run 5k coming up uh not sure soon maybe this weekend no nah, not this week well it was meant to originally it was going to be last weekend that's but what then, i thought yeah a lot yeah, of people were excited heard... about that when we put on our instagram stories mm. But then I hurt my calf, so I jogged for that week, and I thought, well, there's no point doing park run the next weekend, so I trained. and yeah. um, So I'm, I'm contemplating there's a 5K track race in Wollongong on the 2nd of April, so that's, what, two weeks from this weekend? So I thought maybe I would draw, I'd go down there um, and, like, race some people as opposed to going to a park run because I think, I don't know, it's easier to – it's probably easier to do it in a proper race, whereas if I go to park run, it's, it's a – it's a time trial, basically. Yeah, I like that. How far is the drive for you? Mm, like two and a half hours. Yeah. Maybe a bit, bit more, two, two and three quarters. Yeah, I like yeah. that. That's a good idea. They'll live like stream it. that too, won't they? We'll see. I uh, don't think so. One of the guys I coach is doing it. He'll, he'll run about 14.45. He'll beat you. Yeah, okay. He'll be right good. next year. Yeah. <laughs> Sam. Sam, if you're listening to this, start we'll start taping for this race already, I reckon. Doesn't like that. Crokes. Crokes. Crokes did not like that. What do you reckon? What time do you reckon you'll run Crokes? Because 14, 14.42 last year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that fit. Like, I don't know. Like, and that's the whole idea. I just want to get an idea of where I'm at so I can actually start sort of training to paces, mm. you know, based on my current shape. Um, I think, like, I don't know, like 15.10, 15.20 maybe. But you yeah. got years and years of training behind you as well. Yeah, but I had – I missed six weeks training with a calf and COVID <laughs> – and then had like I've basically had three weeks over 100k since December, so that's not much. Yeah, yeah, your Strava's not looking great here from through Jan. 
Have you yeah. gone rust bust a few before stall though? Mm, yeah, yeah, about that. <laughs> Stall's not happening for and me. It's happening. It's definitely happening. Yeah. We've got some time to talk you into it. All right, tell us about your week. We'll get back to this. I had a good week. I had run an hour Monday morning, 4.45s, and then I did 30 minutes in the afternoon and six 20-second strides, and I did clock them croaks. I like clocking them. Um, GPS was telling me I was running like 225, 230 pace. So I'm hoping that's right because that's pretty thoughts, quick. Thoughts on this, Moose? Clocking your strides when you're out there just trying to like... Oh, I, I, wasn't know, cha- feel, I wasn't chasing feel, the time. Like just run with good form? That's what I was doing. You mean recording them to, yeah. and then seeing what pace you're going later? Yeah, afterwards. Mm, I'd like to get... Why don't you give us like how, your kilometre per hour speed on them? I think that's more important. How do you work that out? Is that in the data here on Strava? Well, probably not. You probably have to put it on like cycling and do it. Start converting it and stuff. 30k an hour. This is like getting the footy yeah. players to why do it. Would you know? you, why would you do that in... Why would you want me to do that? Because you compare it to the soccer players that, you know, they uh, always when say... They start uh, sprinting and stuff. Oh, this is this guy's faster than Usain Bolt. Yeah, but 230k pace is what that 60 second, 400 meter pace. Yeah, it's not that fast. Well, it's fast enough. You run that well, for four laps, run a four minute mile. It's not as fast as those soccer players. I don't want to be compared to those guys. There's no way that accurate's right. Here. That data's accurate. No. That was Monday night, so I enjoyed doing that. I'm really liking that Monday nights now. I do some drills and do some strides, and it's my Monday night. And then Tuesday morning, I did a 12k tempo, average 319 pace for 12k and 160 beat per minute heart rate average, which was nice. I think I'm getting fit. Um, that was I was kind of expecting that to be a bit slower for that heart rate, but it's a bit cool, a bit windy though. So yeah, I was really thinking if it turned a bit of a page after that workout there. Uh, what were you looking at pace? I had a, I had the one k splits on just to pop oh, up yeah. every. That's enough. Um, yeah. That is enough to change how you're running that workout. But I also had heart rate. That was the most thing I was looking at. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but so, I know. But so I wanted to keep it about five beats under my threshold. Like my threshold's about a hundred and um, hundred sixty five, hundred sixty eight, and then it was only starting to get up there. Probably the last k, it kind of got to one hundred sixty five ish. But I was happy with that. I know when I'm really fit, I can do a similar tempo, like that 12, 14K tempo, like 312s, 313s for the same heart rate. So still, wait, wait, still wait, a long way off. Yeah. So you're saying you can run at 5 to 10 beats under your threshold? No, just about 5. There's like sub-threshold stuff, threshold. yeah. Are yeah. you calling this about marathon effort? No, I don't think so. I'm calling it just a bit slower than threshold. Maybe I could hold it for like 90 minutes if I had to, but definitely not for a marathon because that is my marathon PB pace and I'm not mm. marathon fit. So, yeah, I'm more thinking this is probably like my 90-minute pace. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something that you think is a, a good pace to run a workout at? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'd been doing some stuff at like 3.15 pace but having breaks, so like the 5 by mile or 5 by 5 minutes or – um, the other week, I think I did ten, eight, six, four, two with like jogs in between. So I thought this time I didn't want to have a break, but I wanted to slow the pace down. So yeah, this was good because it was just continuous. Like I was on my feet for the whole period of time without having any breaks, and it probably changes it. Probably changes it from a B to a bit of a B minus workout. Like it's not as hard. So yeah. What are you, and, what are you training for? 
Me, I am training for the stall gift Herb Hederman invitation mile at the moment, but I might jump in a 5 or 10k at the Collingwood Classic, but really I'm just trying to do some base work to um, get ready for the cross-country season coming up, which kicks off in May. So nothing special at the moment. Half an hour in the afternoon, and then Wednesday is my easy day, so I got out for 60 minutes um, in the morning. Oh yeah, this was after the Box Hill burn. So I had some people absolutely run massive PBs at Box Hill the night before. So I was up and about, pretty inspired on my easy 60-minute uh, jog the next day. And then I got out for 25 minutes in the afternoon just because I was a bit time poor, I think, that afternoon. Had to cut five minutes off then. That Then on uh, Thursday, medium long run. Got out for an hour 45 Ran out to this like mountain bike track that we've got probably 8k out of town in Moama and it's pretty quiet out there. Runs along the river, real single kind of track. Did a bit of a loop of that and then um, jogged home again. So that was a good way to run, yeah, 24 and a half k at 4.17s. Listen to the long and short of it there. Got out for half an hour in the afternoon. Croaks, you weren't happy with me doing 30k in one day here on a Thursday. Thought it was a bit too much just think it's uh it's a lot of running the day before a session it's and it's like you know you don't do it on a monday you don't run two hours 15 or 31k on a sunday and then go and do a session on the monday yeah true but you got to realize i'm hitting this run pretty fresh because i've got like it's pretty easy workout tuesday wednesday's a recovery day so when i'm starting this on a thursday morning i'd nearly say like i'm full freshness yeah so you're fresh you're fresh for the non-session day and then you go and run 31k and then you're not so fresh for friday yeah but say like i'm sitting on the like the start line or not start line say i'm running out the driveway of that medium long run and i'm like 10 out of 10 freshness and running an hour 45 on the flat and then 30 minutes in the afternoon really doesn't take i know it's 31k or whatever it is on paper but i think there's a big difference between doing 31k in one hit like you would on a sunday long run and doing like 24 and then six you agree? Mm, I, well, I still think it's a lot day before a session, that's all. But. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, anyway, I feel fine like doing that, especially Thursday's my day where I'm at home with Hudson. So it's a really low-stress day, not doing a lot on my feet. Um, and yeah, still still pretty hard looking after a toddler, but it's not, not kind of a working kind of labouring kind of day. And then I think the proof is in the pudding because when I met Archie to do the warm-up on the Friday morning, if I was struggling, there's no way, like, I think our second K of the warm-up was, like, yeah, we went 424, 421, 409, like, just chatting away, 405, back to the car. So, like, if I was really battling off that bigger, medium, long-run day, I think that would be more like 445s. Um, so, yeah, I felt fine for that Friday workout, which was seven two-minute reps at around 303 pace off a 60-second jog. Then went to work for the day and then um, 30 minutes after work. Pretty happy with that run after work because it was a long weekend kicking in. Easy hour on Saturday morning and then 2 hours and 10 Sunday morning at 3.58 pace. Um, Archie and Fabian were keeping me company for a bit of this one. And then a bit of solo running afterwards. So um, yeah, 162k for the week. Nothing special in there. Workout's pretty pretty light but a good week in general i think like two okay workouts a good medium long run good long run some good fast strides to keep in touch with the speed and yeah i was uh pretty happy with that i think if i can do a few of those i'll be going all right for april may that's the plan anyway base building boys that's what i'm calling it base building very good had some had some good other things happen in my life as well you guys been watching drive to survive on netflix i'm glad that's back in my life you guys watch that 
I saw it's up. I haven't, oh, haven't watched it yet. Get, get onto that. And the Hamish Nandy podcast is back as well. So I'm glad those two things come back into my life. So um, I knew you were, yeah. I knew you were up and about because like you're posting, you're uh, bragging about your weekly mileage on Instagram stories. Yeah, I was because it's taken me bloody, what it's taken me 12 weeks to get up to a mileage that I would consider like is pretty standard, like 100 miles. And it's just been such a, these are the, this week and last week are the first two weeks that I felt like we've been able to cope with two kids. Like everything's kind of locked into a routine now. Feel like you're, you're I don't know, just in sync as a family of four. Um, and I kind of posted that because I'm like, hey, this doesn't, like it takes a while to get into routine and stuff. And you've got to be patient when you're building back up the mileage. So if you look at my Strava skyscrapers, they're just slowly peeling up over the last 12 weeks. So hopefully I can keep them up there. But yeah, I'm up and about. Up and about. Good run a week. Good TV shows. Good podcast coming in. Nathan Archie. They both ran four eighteen. Good five k runs from them. So, just happy all around, fellas. Got to be up and about. Do it. Uh, thanks to Patreon supporters. All right, let's do it. I got uh, <laughs> Thomas Thomas Irwin this week. Uh, Thomas lives in Brisbane, in Queensland. He has two young sons and is a primary school teacher. He's typically a laid back bloke, and most of his own running is random and often without a watch. Uh, he's got a park run best of 1846, hasn't raced a 10K or marathon, but ran 93 minutes at the Sunshine Coast Half Marathon in 2019. So thanks for your support, Thomas. And uh, yeah, I like that he doesn't run, that he does some running without a watch. It's good. There yeah, wouldn't be many people still doing that, would there? No, nah, it's a bit old school. Like, yeah, Stewie, he goes with a watch, but just no GPS, doesn't he? Mm, yep. Yeah, you got to know how, you got to know when you're coming like gotta be back though yeah true. yeah but i guess if you know you if you know your loops you know uh, it's gonna take me roughly this long yeah, yeah. if you know your loops mm. but you can't just go out and run can you like can't do it yeah. back you wouldn't know when to turn around yeah um i got sam wilson he's he or she that's a he sam i think that's a he yep sam is from bristol in the uk where in where in the uk brady Who's Bristol? Um, I'm going to guess it's maybe north of London. I'm going to guess south. Brad, would you like a guess? Um, I'll go... I'm uh, <laughs> just looking you, it up now. It's on the River Avon. <laughs> We've spoken about the River Avon before, I think. I'll go it's west of London. It's, oh. near, it's near Bath. Yeah. Oh, yeah? In between Bath and Cardiff. Yeah, but that's um that's Wales Cardiff, isn't it? Yeah, I know, but still it's in between like it's in England still. Where's London on this thing then, Crokes? Must be a fair drive from London. To the east. like directly east. London's, not, yeah, even, it's a fair London's way. not even on my map here. Maybe I've got to zoom out more. This is great listening. Anyway, anyway. Sam has run sixteen thirty eight, thirty three minutes flat for a ten. 71 for a half and 236 for the marathon. Oh, okay. If he's run 71 for a half, he's got to go faster in the marathon. That's good. Could be an editor and content manager with more than eight years experience developing quality written content for print and digital. Would you go on a LinkedIn profile or something, Brady? Yeah. Don't know if it's the same Sam Wilson, but that's why it could, it, could be. Do, do you have a LinkedIn profile? No, I don't have one. Do you? No, I don't have one. School teachers don't need a LinkedIn profile. Neither do business owners. Don't they? 
You could do I some good networking on there, couldn't they? Entrepreneurial nah, stuff. Isn't it for getting jobs and stuff? I think. I don't know. Yeah. They need a job. I don't know. Whenever anyone talks about it, I don't know what it is, but I just reconnect, reconnect with all your Navy mates, Moose. Sounds real douchey. <laughs> no, they wouldn't be on LinkedIn. They'd be in jail. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Navy, Navy hasn't had a mention in a while. That's could, right. bring, could bring it up every now and then. There you go. <laughs> Navy and Chico State, two things that just roll through. How is Chico State? How'd they go over there indoors, Moose? Do you know? Uh, no indoor season. They don't have the cash for that. Oh, they're in a different division. No, well, there is, oh, is there indoor division? I don't know. No one does it, though. It's outdoor. Okay. Outdoor and cross-country. Cross Talk about that later on. Marianne Fenton, I'm going to thank you, from The Gap in Queensland. Ever been to this spot, boys? The Gap? Sounds uh-huh. sounds nice. Yeah, I don't know. where. Just, that's just where she's uh, listed from. The Gap runs in some beautiful bushland, so maybe it's a bit remote where she's uh, living and where she's running. Could possibly be a nurse, according to her LinkedIn profile. Um, she ran 139 at the Brisbane Half Marathon in 2019, and she has 93 photos on Strava, and they're all of like bushland, just like wow. nature shots. So if you appreciates the green doctor, yeah, if you're looking for the green doctor, <laughs> if you're looking for some uh, nature photos, Marianne Fenton on Strava is where you should be heading because she's run in some beautiful locations. So thanks, uh, Thomas, Marianne, Sam for supporting the Inside Rain podcast. This show does not happen without our Patreon supporters. So if you like what we do, the show brings you value and you'd like to support us, insiderunningpodcast.com forward slash Patreon. There's a couple of different uh, tiers there that you could help us out to support the show. Running news, fellas. There's a lot here. Who wants to kick things off? Me. I'm kicking things off. Box Hill uh, burn. Tuesday night this was. A big big week of racing when we're talking about things that happened last Tuesday night. Uh, There was a 1K race on. Claudia Hollingsworth got the win there. She ran 2.42. Amy Robinson was second. She ran 2.46. And Lucinda Rourke was third in 2.54. Pete Bowl won the men's 2.19. Brad Mathers from New Zealand was second, 2.21. And Matthew Hussey, the uh, state mile and 1,500-meter champ, I think, was third, 2.22. So uh, some fast times there. And it's not until you start comparing these. Do you know when you do 1K reps and you think you're going all right, running just under three minutes? Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, Cordial. Like, isn't she like 17, 16? She runs yeah, she's not as sure of her age, but she is a real weapon yeah. out there. She's a superstar in the making. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a huge run for both those guys. I think it was a bit windy out there. I think Pete Bowl was talking about going for the Australian record earlier in the broadcast but yeah it was i think it's 215 or 216 jeff risley has that so he's a bit off that then there i was, don't think it's 215 what is it do you know oh i don't think it's 215 that's i think it's 216 look it up two, yeah i think it's 216 oh really 216. yeah that's that's fast i'll look it up though um <laughs> men's 5k this is an interesting race because uh, Stewie went to the front after Brett Robinson dropped out as pacemaker, probably spent two laps, I'm going to say, maybe more, gap in the field and getting a bit of a break on them and looked good. We hadn't seen Stewie race in a while and he looked really smooth. And then out the back straight, maybe we've, oh, maybe a K to go, I'd say, yeah, two and a half laps to, be, to go, I think it was. He just pretty much walked off the track. Um, you watching it live, Moose? Yeah, I was. Had a big gap. Yeah, it looked like the race was kind of, um, yeah, sewn up kind of thing. And then, yeah, he walked off the track, which left Sam McEntee, who was the only one who went with his move, 
when he did make that move um, out there by himself. So he ended up winning the race in 13.36. Jack Bruce was second in 13.46. Jimmy Hansen was third in 13.49. Any comments there before we go to the ladies? Been a bit of press about Stewie, like, covert or booster. I couldn't read the booster article because it was behind a paywall. But do you guys know anything? No, I don't. I've got no word on it. I haven't really asked, though. Yeah. Other than he's uh, withdrawn from World Indoors. Yeah. Um, but it made me think, Moose, remember how we, when we had him on the show, we both had COVID. Yeah, you guys and made then, the joke that he didn't have it, but you guys had caught it in your hometowns. Yeah, and then I, like one of the articles said that he caught it earlier this year. I was like, oh, imagine if he caught it like within the week of being on our show <laughs> when we both had COVID, even though you can't catch it, obviously, but off us. But uh, yeah, so not, not good. Mm. Yeah, not good at all. So um, we'll watch this space to see. Hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. We will put those links to the newspaper articles in the show notes um, so you can have a read up on that yourself. And 216 is the Aussie 1K record. Jeff Risley? Yeah, 216.09. Oh, pretty close to 215. What year um, did he do that? Uh, 2014. Yeah, it's been around for a while. Mistrava. It was interesting watching those K races because you see the people that treat them like they're like just 200 metres more than an 800. And then there's people that treat them like they're 500 metres less than a 1500. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's guys that fang it and then they're like, oh, I'm usually cooked at 700 into an 800, but I'll try hang on. And some, yeah, some big, big blow-ups when you're watching it that way. Women's 5K, Rose Davies won that in 1523. Carly Thackeray was second in 1526. Caitlin Adams from South Australia was third in 15.36. Bit of a breakthrough there for Carly Thackeray. I reckon that'd be a huge PB running 15.26, three Mm. seconds behind Rose. Rose was solo from a long way out when she went to the front. She was Um, impressive, Rose. Like, she was on 15, like, she was pretty much on 15.10-ish pace up until, like, the last maybe 600 metres, and, like, she found the last 600 really tough. But given the conditions, like, she looked really, really good. Mm. Um, until the bear jumped on her back she in closing stages. Yeah. Mm. Um, Vic Miles, Club Moose, just quickly go through the winners there. That was Thursday night. Yep. Uh, men's 15, William Lewis, 345. Women's 15, 414. That was Abby Caldwell. Um, Mitchell Langbourne won the 8 in 152, and Amy Robinson, 205 winner in the 800. Didn't watch it though, missed this one. There's a bit bit going on this week. I reckon that was a bit windy too. Amy Robinson was solo. She went hard and fast. I think there was some money out for grabs if she could run a certain time. And she also like had a massive last hundred where she was um just trying to hang on, Grimerson. Actually ran past her on our long run on Sunday, Amy. Oh. I work Park. with that I work with Amy's sister. Do you? Small yeah, she's work. a music uh, music teacher at my school. She was wearing the um the style. she must have ran the style in hashtag one. Yeah, she was down there. She came and said hello. Did she? Yeah. Yeah, she said hello to us for, yeah, as well on Sunday. Very friendly person and quite a good runner. Uh, mm. Let's stay in Australia. We're at Sydney Track Classics. So this was Saturday night. So a lot of these names popping up again here. 800 metres. Pete Bowl won again, 146.03. James Preston from New Zealand, 146.25. And then Makito Kaneko here from Japan. He was 30 147.29. Uh, I think Pete Bowl's just like winning these races, isn't he? Kind of just a <laughs> yeah. bit of race practice, you think? Can't be beaten at the moment. Yeah. Doesn't really look like being beaten. Uh, yeah. This guy pressed him a little bit, Preston. 
pressed and pressed him, mm-hmm. but uh, still, it just didn't didn't look like it was going to happen. The whole race, he just looked in control. And yeah, the... good good little improvement on his Adelaide time as well. So time's slowly coming down as the season progresses. Yeah, but that with the throw the four distance races at Sydney, that was probably the less entertaining because the women's eight. This was uh, Biendere Oboya. Biendere Oboya. She went hard. Did you see what she went through? Maybe like 56, 57? 26, yeah. 26 through 200. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm blaming the, pa- the pacemaker, yeah. though, yeah. because, you know, because it was meant to be 58. And, you know, if you're racing and you've been told that, yeah, pacemaker is going to go 58, you're going to, like, jump on the back, you know. And I, I think... The problem with for Bendiri, for Bendiri is that, like, coming from a 400, you know, like a 56 probably doesn't feel mm. that fast, but you get to 250 to go and the 56 starts to hurt you. She was pretty impressive, though, because she held him oh, off. Very... Like, it looked like Cordia Hollingsworth was pulling her in. Tess, Curse Up Cole was also, but she found something more in that last 100 to, mm. like, kick away again. The second 800, she ran 201.9. Hollingsworth was second in the PB, 202.34, so a big week for her. And Curse uh, Up Cole, third in 202.64. So I think there's a few PBs further down the list there as well. So just shows how strong women's 800-meter running is. Um, and you chuck, you know, Lyndon Hall, Cat Bissett in those races. going to be pretty exciting. Um, then the 3K is Moose. You're telling me about these ones. Yeah, this uh, these were tough races. So Rose Davies, she... She came back from the 5K the other, like, you know, like was it one week before? Less? Ah, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday to Saturday. Yeah. Tuesday to Saturday, yeah. Um, so she backed up for the national championships it was. So it's you get a national title here. Uh, it was a slow race, the women's. They went out in a very slow click, 3.15 for the first kilometre. So there, there was a big bunch. Uh, there was a lot of odd movements within the bunch, like – going running three wide and, and, and up and down the side of the packs, that kind of thing. And Rose, she was stuck in the middle, basically. So she she tried to, I guess, avoid being on the front, but wasn't out the back. And it was a, it was a pretty dangerous little position for Rose, I reckon, when the, mm. the group maybe isn't the most experienced group getting around on the track. So there were some kind of track novices out there and they were – uh, making some odd moves in and out of the bunch. So she um, she eventually found her way to the front. I think she probably just got a little frustrated with, with what was happening, and, and then she decided to, to start jamming the pace on probably around... Oh, it was, was it? three laps to go. It was, yeah, it was quite that. early for someone who's got there. Like, cause she could have put them all away in the last lap. Yeah, but she, she, could, she probably could have. Mm. But, but she had to it get was a very trouble. slow pace, and so I think her strength will still be in that that kick down. Like she, um, she's still a fast ten k runner, a fast five k runner. We've seen her win different ways now, and and so this was sort of like she's the strongest runner in the field. It did get very close towards the end. Natalie Rule. So after bridge to no run the bridge in Hobart, we we thought us we thought we saw a breakthrough there, and uh, I think she pulled out of the last. The last track race maybe didn't finish. Yeah, yeah it was so the Tuesday. Box Hill. Um, yeah. So she went DNF at Adelaide, really good run at Hobart, DNF at Box Hill, really good run at Sydney. Yeah, yeah. so she she's going to be a real wild card come Nationals time. 
Uh, she ran 906.68. So was that a another sort of semi-breakout from that? Uh, and then Holly Campbell, big run from Holly as well to run 908. So this was a good race. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, well, she, Paige, Paige Campbell and Jenny Blundell were behind them as well, like quality runners, yes, not in the top yeah. three. Holly Campbell, she covered every move. Like, she tactically was, yeah, really good. I, I had Jenny Blundell for the win, like, with probably five, 600 to go. I just thought that she would have that that leg speed. And she's run some fast 5Ks as well, so she has the strength. I just thought that was made for her to finish off well. Mm. But, um, but, yeah, just got... got Dag from that pack as they as they picked it up. I thought Nat had Rose, like 150, mm-hmm. 200 to go. Um, yeah, she gave her a real scare. And then the Nat men's said, Oh, sorry. Nat, Nat Rule certainly putting her uh, hat in the ring for most improved athlete this year. Did and I pick continues. her at the end of last year? No, mate. I reckon I said watch out for her. I think you had Sinead. I had Claudia. I think you had Sinead for all the categories. <laughs> yeah. Sinead, we'll get to Sinead in a second. That nearly broke my heart yesterday. But anyway, we'll go to uh, the 3K. Yeah, so the men's the men's was a faster affair, but it was almost perfectly run for fast times because uh, the pace was on. Well, they, they had a pacemaker, didn't they? they the did women, have a pacemaker, the women, yeah. women's didn't, yeah. Yeah, they had a pacemaker, and the, it, it was well-paced as well. It just seemed to be, like, strung out perfectly, one to two wide throughout the pack, and the right people getting to the front to make the pace honest once the pacemaker dropped out, which um, we, I was it probably at like four laps in, was it? Can't yeah, really, about that. Yep. Can't really remember, but um, it, it came down to one lap to go, really. Uh, Sam McAdee went for it. He went for it a bit earlier. I had him for the win just based off his, his Tuesday night run. Or was it the Adelaide run, the 5K at Adelaide? Yeah, both of them. What am I? Both of them, right? Yeah. So I had him for the, um, I had him to finish off, mainly considering that the 5K in Adelaide, where he tore the field apart on that last lap. So you, and, so hang on, you had him out kicking Jai Edwards. Yeah, I did. 49 miler. I did because of what I saw the, the couple straight, of weeks before. Because he's straight and, stuff. You know, like we don't, like we haven't seen Jai yet. Hmm. We've seen Sam. You're going to put money on someone that you've already seen. And Jai, like, we know how good he is, clearly, but we also know that he's sort of had some injuries. Yeah, So true. how much how much there was. Yeah, not sure which Jai you're seeing. Yeah, that's right. And so Cameron Griffith was, like, him and that other fellow in the um, Oregon kit. What was his name? Mick Stanovesk. Yeah, so they he looked really good, actually. He was sort of... He Very good technique, isn't front. he? I had no I idea, the look of his no running, idea yeah. who he was. Now, we had to do some Googling on that yeah, one. Luke Matthews helped us out with there. He's 20, <laughs> 25. Um, eligibility as of 28th of Feb 2022 to represent Australia. What do you mean? It just says on his profile that as of 28th of Feb 2022, eligible to represent Australia in national representative competitions. So he must, he must he's just become Australian, this guy, which is why yeah, no one's yeah. ever heard of him. Probably need some more info on this. Mm. Anyway. He's, he's um, run 3.39. Down the back straight, we had a big move come from Jude Thomas, the 19-year-old. So he flew around the back straight, uh, went from probably sixth to second or first, and that turn of speed was quite astonishing given that they were already probably running 60-second pace at the time. 
he's just come around the side of them and all of a sudden you remember how promising he is as a talent and what how like his pet event I think is more like the 15 so he had the wheels there and he's come around and and then it's been a real dog fight down the back down the um, home straight so between Jude and and Cam Griffith Cam Griffith was uh, coming strong from behind and, and he sort of had Jude for a little bit and then Jude took it back and then Cam it was it was right there but so it showed a lot of toughness from from the younger Jude to to take that win I thought 747 and then 747 with a point uh, was it four tenths of a second behind was Cam Griffiths and Cam Griffith not Griffiths and then Sam McIndy was 747.56 so really very close uh, only point for, for only thirty. Four. What do you say that? Point three. Say that? Point, point three, three of a second, of a second. Between first and third. Yeah, very good. Good race. Mm, it's um, and there was fourteen. I've just got the results here. Fourteen guys under eight minutes. Like yeah. some of these guys are getting spat out the back. Then you looked at the results. You're like, oh my god, they've all had blinders. Yeah. Like what a mm, race. I know. You got young kids as well. Like Thomas Diamond ran 7:57. Jared Clifford, first guy under uh, for his character, his um, classification 7:56. Yep. Craig Huffer 7:54. Like Isaac Hayne, who had him on the long and the short of it the other week 7:48. Like. So question for you. Yeah. This legit. this was a question. Michael Kernahan, I pick him up on Sunday morning, took him out to the long run, mm. and he said to me, what's better, a 19-year-old running 7.47 or a 17-year-old running 7.57? Can you say right, that again, please? So his question, yep. what's better, a 19-year-old running 7.47 or a 17-year-old running 7.57? Uh I'll say the yeah. I'll say the seven forty seven because it's on the board and who knows what happens to a seventeen year old over the next two years. Yeah, you gotta factor in that he won the race as well, I think. Like he won the race and beat some like open guys who have been around okay. for a long time. Take it yeah. out, take out the race results. You so see this on paper in trial. twenty years and you see this and go, What's better? My reflection of this was, I said it to Zachary and Mattress after it. I'm like, can you imagine you're a pretty talented under 20 kid and you run an 825, which is pretty good, and then you see these mm. results? Mm. Like, the, the depth, you'd just give yeah. up the sport, wouldn't you? The, the depth's incredible. Like, I, I remember 10 or 15 years ago, if you went to, like, a major 3K championship and someone was running, like, seven, like low 750s. did you come third in this race, Crocs? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What'd you run? Uh, like 820 something yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but even like Motra and, and Collis they wouldn't have they wouldn't have run faster than this when they got gold and silver um but my point my point was that back in the day it was like if guys like domestically were running like low 750s you're like that's that's an incredible run yeah whereas now you've got like 12 guys you know in, in the one race doing it <laughs> like, remember when bucks ran 753 or something was it 754 maybe? Box, like, Hill, um, Box Hill Vic Miles Club. And we're, we're like, what on earth did we just see? Yeah. And then this race, look at this race. Like uh, you've got like, just everyone running under. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it was good to watch. And what a weekend to watch athletics. Like Tuesday night live streams, Thursday night live streams, Saturday night live streams. 
um, Nagoya Marathon yesterday, which we'll talk about now, live stream, and all like accessible. Like you didn't have to have VPNs. You just click on a link, the video starts. Um, so Nagoya Marathon yesterday, Aloise Wellings, she finished sixth, 2.25.10, moves to the fourth fastest Australian of all time. Um, now I think she's the quickest person in the qualifying period. I'm happy for you guys to correct me there if I've got that wrong. 71.48 through the half marathon split. Um, a remarkable five months. Like London Marathon debut, 2.29. Then she turned around to run Melbourne, 2.29 alone, PB. And that wasn't long after it, like October through to December. And then she pushed Rose at Zatapak with that kick down to come second at Zatapak in Jan. And now she's come and done this. Like, I don't know what she's having for breakfast, but, and she's got two kids. Um, like, yeah, whatever she's doing, it is definitely working. Um, that's a huge performance, boys. Yeah, well, it was. She's got the pedigree to run fast. We all, <laughs> like, she's been a, she's been a premier distance runner for like a decade, I reckon she was, in the 10K and the 5K. And, um, yeah. She, we, we, like, we knew she was, an all-time Australian runner. It was just whether she could string the training together to make the marathon work for her. She's had a lot of bone stress injuries in the past and um, and stringing a marathon together requires consistency and, and, and volume and long run. So uh, it, now that she's sort of nailing that, it's like everything's coming easy to her. The racing's the easy bit, it seems like. I mean, not to say that she ran this easily, but the way that she's progressing suggests that uh, she's it's, she's handling it very well. The racing com- component of the marathon. And the recovery. What about her? What about her career though? Like she's been a star since she ran like fifteen fifteen as a seventeen year old in nineteen ninety nine. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah, it is, and it's. I, w- I was a little worried seeing all the marathons she's been doing as well as the ten k, just given her history of injury and um and just the just a lot of these races because i thought it might be a little a little dangerous almost to be to be racing so much because when you race so much you you sacrifice a bit of recovery after the big marathons Mm. Um, but it hasn't seemed to affect her so that's good yeah she was racing overseas in 1998 she was at that level that's a yeah. long career, isn't it? Um, so now she, what that means is she would be able to choose now, wouldn't she, if she wants to go Con Games or World Champs? Yeah. Yeah. Does she have the, she wouldn't have the time for the 10K, but could she potentially no. get in on points or anything? Do you guys know? No, like, could she do the so. 10K marathon double? No. I, I, I doubt it. I, like, they're a fair way off. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so she she will choose, and then Sinead was a DNF, so I think the last split we saw was 35k from Sinead. She did go through halfway, maybe in fifth position, 71.04, but then started to slow. Her um, 25 to 30k split was 17.26, and then her 30 to 35 was 17.56, and then we kind of lost all tracking. Um, and I think it was you a bit later on, Moose. Did you get some? Did someone tell you what happened? Is that where we heard that? Oh, Ali mentioned something to me yep. about it. Uh, so she just said um, she was on an IV and she 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 was dehydrated. So that was the reason why she stopped running. Yeah, that, that's must all that pre- I got. Must have yeah. been pretty bad for Sinead to stop running. Mm, absolutely. But she yeah she pushed through pain. Um, 
So disappointing for Sinead, but she because she was in the top, I'm going to say top five or top ten, whatever it says in the selection policy of Commonwealth athletes at the Olympics, she has the auto qualifier for the Com Games. But but she wouldn't have the time, would she, for the world champs now? Uh, no, she wouldn't have the time. But she's in on that auto spot. So she's so we're thinking you lock in her for the Com Games marathon because this is the conversation um, everyone's having. They're going, who's going Com Games? Who's going World Champs? Is Sinead Sinead has to go Com Games now? Why? Because she hasn't qualified for the World Champs. Oh right, okay. You're saying that that automatic spot was for Com Games, Com not Games. World Champs. Yeah, yeah, that was, was. that was in yeah. the Com Games selection policy. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think you have to have the time. And I'm trying to think because she ran the hot one at the Olympics, she wouldn't have got the time. The oh, no, she, no, what she, ran no, she would have got the time. Yeah. What she ran yeah, in London? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd have the time yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, so she, she I think still choose. Games is discretion based though. The, the selection policy. Yeah, you don't uh, need the time for the Com Games, but she's yeah. auto lock for the Com Games if she wants it anyway. Yeah. Okay, but she's also got it auto for yeah the world champs. Okay, her options and are both so, still open. So Jess Eloise. Um, Millie, Millie, Lisa, and Sinead. Lisa has a time for the world champs. I don't think so. Mm, yeah. Well, what did she use to qualify? Didn't uh, she? Run, she doesn't. Didn't she run um, Chicago to qualify for the Olympics? But yeah, I'm not sure that's in the period. Just typed it. Yeah, okay. So that was why Sinead had that quick turnaround to do London now in hindsight, yeah. hey, to get a time on the board. Yes, yeah. What time did Millie run in Melbourne? 2.26.59. Yeah, so she's actually ahead of Sinead from the uh, world champs point of view because I'm guessing Sinead's uh, London time would have qualified her for world champs, and that's t- she ran 2.27.16. In London last yeah, year. Yeah, so what you'll get is you'll get Sinead as an auto at Com Games. And so perhaps like that's more attractive. I think we've asked her that before, haven't we? On the pod, and she was inclined to run that because it was close to home. Is that what is that can uh, we remember that conversation? Yeah, I think the, yeah. And yeah, vaguely I do, but yeah. And so at the moment it's like Eloise, Jess and Millie are the top three during the period for the world champs. Mm. Yeah, and Lisa yeah. ran 2.26.02 at Osaka in 26th of Jan 2020. And for reference, like Ali, she posted something on Instagram about her being pregnant the other day. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's mm. nice to be able to mention that now and <laughs> say that's the reason she's not trying to qualify because she would have been in there. Um, who else would have been having so a crack at Everyone this? should get a spot, though, now, shouldn't they? Yeah, I don't get a run. Yeah. Like, uh, no, at... Lisa could potentially not. Oh, yeah. Because if the Com Games get filled up, and then Lisa but, hasn't got the time for World Champs. But, but there'll be discretion, and so you'd have to think that Lisa would still be a pretty good chance for the discretion of Com Games. Yeah, but if, well, yeah, but if she hasn't got they... the... Oh, yeah, okay, on the it, discretion chat, not the qualifying chat. Yeah, yeah geez, yeah. it gets interesting, doesn't it? Well, no, you could, if they want to fill a team, they would just say, Millie, we're not picking you for Com Games. You've got to run World Champs. We're picking Lisa. So Lisa will go to Com Games with Sinead and... Um, Potentially Jess. Yeah. Do we even know what the, when, the qualifi- like, what the period, when the period started for the World Champs? It's got to be... Oh. 
We reckon start twenty twenty one. It's normally like January the year before. Yeah. Mm. Watch this space. We'll see what happens. Bit early to be. Bit early to be speculating. I guess. Well, they picked, the, they picked the UK team the other day. Mm. Isn't it coming up? Isn't it like two months away? Yeah, we're already in mid March. Yeah, isn't it like no, June? It's like July. It's like July. The World Champs World or Champs? Games? Which one's first? World Champs in July. Still, if you're prepping for a marathon, you'd want to know. Yeah. Early is better to get selected, I think. Yeah, um, but you've got to give people a chance to run it as well. Yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, Ruth Chepnetigic, she won it in at two. Chepnetigic. She won the World Champs at Doha, didn't she? She's run a lot of races, actually. She won 217.18. Um, solo most of the way, missed her PB by 10 seconds, but it was the second fastest time for a woman's only race. Mm. So that was pretty good. That's Nagoya wrapped up there. Um, 5K NCAA champs, Kai Robinson, he ran a lifetime best of 13.20. So that was pretty fast. He got second, which was also the second fastest in school history. Lauren Ryan was the other Aussie up at the pointy end. She was Keep fourth. in mind, though, just don't gloss over that. Because that school has had some very fast athletes. That school's had Grant Fisher, who just ran 26.33 and 12.48 for 5K. Mm. Or no, sorry, 12.53 for 5K. And it's had Chris Derrick. Um, it's had Ryan Hall. Is it Stanford you're talking about? Yeah. Mm. This, and, Ryan and Hall wrote a Stanford. Yep. So did Sarah Hall. Mm. Uh, that's, and then, so did um, Lauren, Lauren Fleshman. Oh yeah, remember her from the US? Picky bars. Yeah, didn't you? Didn't she sell that business for like millions? <laughs> I don't know. Pretty sure she did. Um, yeah, Lauren Ryan was fourth in the three k in nine. International Women's Day. You see that photo that uh, store put up, Geelong? That nah. was Fleshman. Was it Nike? Yeah, I thought it was quite ironic, given that she hates Nike. I'm so gonna much say, aren't Nike like <laughs> real bad with maternity wages and stuff? Oh uh, yeah, I, after I put it up, I'm like. Eh. It was a dicey one, this. Did you get any pushback? <laughs> nah, nah. I don't think anyone would want to get into that. But, yeah, I remember being there on campus in, like, 2019 and there was big, like, there was protests outside the Salazar building because, like, the women didn't want to work inside a building called the Salazar building. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was just another example of that, I guess. Um, so Kai's run a right, 13-20. Yeah. He's beating everyone in Australia at the moment, isn't he? If he comes home. Oh, no, not everybody. Who's beating him? Stewie. Who else? Brett. Mm, be a good race. Mm, I, think he's, I think he's one of our best runners at the moment. Yeah. Um, then we also named our team for the NCAA World Champs. In, no, what am I talking about? The World <laughs> Indoor Champs this week in uh, Serbia. So we've got Kat Bist in the 8, Lyndon Hall in the 15, Lauren Ryan in the 3K, that's for the women, Charlie Hunter in the 8, Ollie Hoare in the 15, and Matthew Ramsden in the 3K. I think SBS are going to have like a highlights package every day, but I'm not sure how to watch it live. Um, keep an eye on our socials, we'll put something up if we know it. I think, you missed, Jess, I think you missed Jess Hull as Did well, I? Oh, in both sorry, the 15 Lyndon and Hall the 3K. And Jessica Hull. Yep. Has she chosen which one? She gonna do both? Not sure. I guess you do the. I guess you do whichever one's first, and if you don't make it through, you do the next one. Next one. So actually, we got to see, see Barrega's running the three k. Mm. 
and that Aragawi as well. Like that's going to be quick, that 3K one. So that's that. All right, this next segment brought to you by the 2022 Kiza Great Ocean Road Running Festival. Thanks again to their support. We heard from them last week. Going to hear from us again this week talking about it. But we've got a special guest who's going to be helping us out on the podcast this week. He's, he's been on the show a couple of times and um, a very familiar racer down there at the Great Ocean Road and on the trails down there. He's the Surf Coast Century course record holder. He's the 2019 Australian Male Ultra Runner of the Year. He's also won the 60K down there at the Great Ocean Road. And um, some people say the second best runner to come out of Ballarat behind Steve Monaghetti, Ash Watson. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Nice having a chat again. Yeah. No one's ever said that. That's what That's a lot a of people nice say. Actually. It makes me actually sound like I could run once. Thanks for coming back to the show, Ash. We haven't heard from you for a while, but um, tell us what's been happening in the life of Ash Watson. Not too much down here. Ballarat is uh, not what it used to be as far as the running scene goes. I'm a pretty lonely man at the moment with the training, so I've actually just started training again, which is nice. But uh, yeah, not many people to run with down here, so it's been a little bit lonely. You are, I, oh, sorry, you, you are getting the Ks in, though, because you're heading towards the, the marathon in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, decided to run Great Ocean Road, and I think it's eight weeks. Is that right? Maybe nine weeks? 14th and 15th of May, yeah. I'm not too good at working out my dates like that, but it's come, it's going to come around sooner rather than later. Yeah, so I'm trying to get fit uh, in time, which is it's going okay, but it's been a while since I've been fit, so it takes a bit longer as you get older, I've found. Yeah, and how is the preparation going? Because you were you were second in this in the marathon as well, weren't you? To Moose one year, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I think maybe twenty seventeen. Twenty sixteen. I've got you second as well. Did you come second twice? No, no. So it must be twenty sixteen. So you got good memories down there. Looking forward to racing again. Yeah, good and bad memories. I love the uh, race, and it's a beautiful course. But uh, geez, it can be tough if you get a bad day. So. You don't want to underestimate it. That 2016 year was really difficult. Uh, I remember we had a, a headwind for basically the last 15K, and it was it was brutal, but had a good result at least, even though I was about 10 minutes behind me, something. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I remind you about that pretty often. Um, Ash, what does your preparation look like in the in these weeks? Kind of this would be heavy building phase for you at the moment? Uh, yeah, so last week was kind of my first what I'd call decent mileage week in a long time, probably eight or nine months, really. I think I did 100 miles last week. And I'm following a bit of a, a program this year uh, for the first time in about 10 years. So Moose is actually looking after that. So I've actually got uh, some training to actually follow rather than just making stuff up myself. So that's actually been really handy just to keep me focused on something and not uh, just decide I'll have a day off or run five times in a day one day. It's been good to have some sort of actual structure. <laughs> and the decision to race down there, like obviously there's a lot of different options to choose marathons that are most of them coming back from cancellations over the last couple of years. Like why did you throw your name down, get the entry in for this one? Uh, main reason is I plan to run Comrades again this year, which is in late August. So I was trying to find a marathon that sort of was roughly between three to four months before that race in order to get sort of a hard hit out and to give me something to look forward to. Um, still give me enough time then to recover and prepare for comrades in uh, August. So that's, well, that's so, exciting. It, it suits your strengths a bit though, doesn't it? The Great Ocean Road, like not that flat, good over hills, um, 
can take advantage of that a little bit. A few extra Ks yeah. in the marathon. I think so. Even though it's only like two kilometers further than an actual marathon, that 2K is incredibly difficult for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's just mentally, but uh, it just seems to take a bit more strength just to get through that last bit. Um, and it's a pretty hilly course, so it definitely does suit a do stronger know, runner, I think. Do you know what the competition's like, Ash? Like you'd have to be going in favorite, wouldn't you? With the second place there in previous years, your history there, like surely you've got to be the guy to beat. I wouldn't have thought so. I'm not, I'm not going in with real lofty goals, so uh, I guess it depends who rocks up. But I hope you just have a half-decent run, and I'm not sure whether it'll position me. It'll, I guess it'll depend who turns up, but um, it won't be anything too crazy fast from me, I wouldn't think. Always pretty playing things down, I reckon, here, boys. That's exactly what he's doing. Uh, Croaks, you want to tell us some more key, like, because we're focusing on the trails this week as well. So some key messaging, some key dates and start times and different distances around the trail events on offer down at the uh, Great Ocean Road Running Festival this year. Yeah, before we do that, because what are you a bit of a guru when it comes to the trails as well? Like you've done that Surf Coast Century. So for people that are looking to do the trail events, like what are some tips in terms of training that you do differently from like road races like other than obviously running on the trails can you give some tips for training and also race day when it comes to trail running how far are the distances to the races at great ocean road just uh, thir- 13k trail and a six and a half k trail 13k and six and a half so i guess i guess the main thing would be just to try and practice running on the type of trail you're going to race on because they can vary hugely some people think trails are just uh, a nice gravel path which can be a trail but um, some of the trails down there are pretty technical so they're quite rocky Um, so it is it makes it's good to get used to that actual terrain even try and train in the shoes you'll wear because the shoes for those sort of races are a lot different to a road shoe Um, if it's a, a technical race and it's got a lot of ups and downs practicing going down the hills because people can lose a lot of time going down the hills more so than even going up them um so it's definitely good to practice those things you you probably wouldn't think of doing yeah and just a few details so but the start and finish for both of the trail races are in lawn the 13k race starts at 8 10 and the six and a half k race starts at 20 past eight Um, you run along the great ocean road and then into the great otway national park Um, they say that trail running shoes are good for these events but not necessary and if the 23k race on the sunday is too far you could consider doing one of the shorter road races on the saturday and then the trail event on the sunday Um, and just the last thing i'll add about road closures is that if you're coming from melbourne uh, you won't be affected by any of the the road closures but if you're coming from apollo bay you'll need to leave apollo bay by 6 30 a.m what are what about on the trails how do you um how do you judge your pace? Like, obviously, it's a lot easier to do on the roads or the track or the flat kind of surface when you kind of lock into that rhythm. But, like, any tips around when the gun goes, especially if you're newbies in trail races, like, what do you do when you've had success on the trails in the past? Uh, it's a difficult one because you can't rely on pace whatsoever and yeah. you get a bit of a check on the trails because you can be running up some of these steep technical hills and be running six-minute K pace. So I've been... It can sort of get your ego a little bit when you think you're fit and you're going that slow. But you've you've kind of just got to. Sometimes I I use a heart rate monitor in the longer races just to make sure I'm not overdoing it because it's such a long event. Probably not too relevant for a shorter event like that. But 
um, you just got to know your body, I guess, and just make sure you don't don't go out too hard because it can really really bite you later on if you're uh, you've gone out too hard and you hit some of these big hills. I feel like the course at Lawn will probably be quite hilly, um, from what I know about running down there. So um, you just got to listen to your body and really not not to go go out too quick and run your own pace. Don't try and follow anyone in particular. So. People have their own strengths and weaknesses, especially up and down hills. So someone might be really good up a hill um, and you just, you've just got to run your own pace up the hill. Just let them go because chances are you might get them down the hill. That might be your strength. So you've just got to run to your own strengths, really. What about positioning in those races, like from the start? Like because it's all single track, is it important for people to get out hard and kind of get into it? Like is it hard to pass people or you'd, you'd recommend people not getting caught in that trap and just running their own race? I guess for a shorter event, it's more important. So for a six, the 6K event, it would it wouldn't matter where you are positioned because it can be quite hard to pass on these uh, these single tracks. But if it's a longer event, you've got plenty of time. Like some of these 13K races can take 40, 50 minutes. So there's, there's no need to hurry, I don't think. And people on the trails are generally, if someone knows you're, you're right behind them, they're going to let you pass if they're half-decent human. Okay, yeah, there's plenty of those down there, I'm sure. Uh, and Moose, can you tell us anything about the courses? This is your local area. You'd spend a bit of time on some of these trails? Uh, it's a bit further down for me. I reckon Watto actually has the course record on some of these. The I reckon he, course record. He, he, your mum lives down there, Watto, so you get down there and run a little bit. Yeah, so course, Strava course record, sorry, the real <laughs> the real course record. Um, What's it matter? The Erskine Falls and stuff, Watto. Yeah, I have done a little bit of running the last couple of years down there and it's really technical and it can be quite steep, but more so technical. So uh, a lot of mud, rocks, um, like overhanging trees, things you'll have to duck under. So it's definitely not a race where you will be able to just run smoothly and at a quick pace. There'll be lots of chopping and changing and jumping over things and going down steps and uh, and that type of thing. So it won't be fast if it's these tracks that I've run on before. Now, the, the, they're kind of, the 13K actually goes out in reverse to the Mountain to Surf loop and it actually runs out on that track. So it's not the Erskine Falls loop. It's a, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's it goes, not so. goes out that way, a bit more gentle, the trail, really. Mm. Um, and um, it yeah. around there, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice track. Like, you know how you hit the bottom of the, mountain to surf course and it gets it's sort of like those flat tracks through there it's actually quite nice it'll have a bit of everything really yeah yeah it will so you have enough time to take in the views and stuff like it's not that technical that you got to always be watching your feet because i can imagine it'd be pretty beautiful yeah it's in the bush so it's uh trail running is nice because you're surrounded by forest but you do have to pay a little bit more attention to what's happening under your foot bit of green doctor moose (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definite green docking territory out there. <laughs> awesome. Any other questions for Watto before we let him go, fellas? Uh, just Watto, I heard you went down to um, Dr. Spencer's physiology lab and did some testing. How uh, how was he? Yeah, he was okay. I wasn't very good, though. I didn't last, <laughs> I didn't last long on that treadmill. But uh, he's got a good setup down there. That lactic pro meter is really good, actually. I wouldn't mind one for myself if that went so expensive. I can't afford the gadgets Moose has at home, though. So he's learned how to use it then. Business decision. Business investment. 
did he charge a full price, Watto, for the testing? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, it's... It would be, yeah. That's not People charge me. 300 bucks for this. I'm, I am the cheapest bloke in town. Don't worry about that. Uh, I feel like... Because I could only last about 12 minutes, so it wasn't really good bang for your buck for me. Yeah, should have got a half price, I reckon, if you only took out that much of his time. This is a pretty common theme in your life, Watto. I'm looking, for, looking forward to seeing how... I'm going to move on from that, because I'm looking forward to seeing how you're going to go, Watto, down there. Um, I've got you as race favourite. I'm pretty sure you'll be coming in first across the line there, picking up the prize money. Um, and you'd be... Because that hasn't happened for the last couple of years, has it? So you'd be the first winner since Nick Earl set, set the course record. I'd have that right, wouldn't I? No, I believe it was last year. last year, yeah. Who won last year? I fully forgot that. I don't, it one real quick. I remember that much. It was maybe you, like... You say that every year that you don't win. <laughs> well, it isn't. <laughs> okay, so there was one last year. So, so listen, yeah, they, they must have got lucky with sneaking it between COVID races, uh, between COVIDs, I think. Registrations for the 2022 Kiza Great Ocean Road Running Festival are now open, so you can visit Great Ocean Road runfest.com.au thanks Watto thanks guys see you mate thanks, Ash listen to question croaks alright genuine question for one of the episodes and I really don't mean this as a dig at you or anything because the pace all three of you run is pretty insane and inspirational uh, but what do you think the difference is between sub elite runners like yourself say sub 220 pace and elite pro runners say sub 210 marathon pace is it a case of the pros dedicating all of their time and energy into pro-level running, or is that, or has it got more to do with physiology? From that question, if you could go back to your early twenties, what do you think you would do differently to crack it as a sub two ten marathon pro? For example, would you train differently, sacrifice other things like family and careers, or something else? I know Julian will claim he's elite anyway, but genuinely interested to see what you think it would take to reach the next level in marathon running and that comes from ryan good question ryan hey what jack rain is sitting back going oh i'm not a pro <laughs> elite pro runner i'm not elite pro here oh well Got to hit the 210 210 and then you're elite pro um it's got a combination of things definitely physiology i mean without without the physiology to do it you'll net like when you look at the someone running under three hours, you need a good batch of physiology to do that. To run under 2.30, you need an exceptional physiology. And to run under 2.20, then you need exceptional physiology with a lot of other good things going your way too. Um, I, I think that, I mean, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? Like, how do you get someone from 2.20 to 2.10? Or in our case in Australia, how do you get someone from 211 to, to 2.9 or 2.10 it's, it's It's a difficult question. Um, it's, it's not so much the pros dedicating all their time into, into pro-level running because a lot of them have proved that once they started working again, they actually started improving um, on the times that they ran when they were a pro. Yeah, and some of them run ridiculously fast off not a lot of training as well. Like some guys are that talented, they can do 100, 120 Ks a week and still run amazing, like times that we're never going to get near. You know, George Beamish from New Zealand? Like I don't yeah. think he has many miles and just can run low 330s for 1,500. 
Like that's talk, that's, that's yeah. talent. Like, and I oft, you often see it when they're kids, don't you? Like, the, who what kids are talented through the, and you'll see it with our best runners, like the Gregsons and the Brett Robertsons, and not so much Stewie. Like he was there, but he wasn't a standout like those guys. But it's identified early that these guys have the makeup to be really good runners, and then they put training on top of it, and then they do that for ten years, and then they're amazing. Whereas maybe you got a bit more talent than the Moose and I Crocs. Like you'd have to. Bit more talent there. Moose and I just like grind away to get to our PBs. But, I don't um, reckon I've got much. I, I reckon I grinded away. I don't say. I wouldn't say that I have much talent. And geez, I don't. You dedicated and yourself. And it wouldn't have mattered what I did twenty years ago when I was in my early twenties. There was no way I was going to run sub two ten for a marathon. You reckon if you went to college though, like you might have got down to three forty for fifteen. Oh, I don't know. Like, who knows? Like. Yeah. Um, I think, it, like, in getting to the question, there's part where, like, what would you change if you could go back to your early 20s? I think it's, for me, and I think just about every old guy says this probably to juniors coming through, is just be patient and, like, don't think about so much, like, the next, like, like Brady, where at the end of the training week, Moose, string together four more weeks of those and you'll be fit. Like, get away from that mentality and just train within yourself for years and years and years and don't miss any training and that's going to get your best result yeah but yeah that's 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 a good thing to say to someone when they're younger um but is it going to is it going to make them a 210 runner or is it going to take a gamble to make them a 210 runner and go i'm going to try like maybe i run instead of 120k a week for two years I'm going to see if I can run 160k a week for two years, and at the end of those two years, if I can, if my body decides it can handle that, I'm in a much better place to try to run 210. So it, it's a much bigger gamble, isn't it? But that's, I guess, that's the point I was trying to make was that if you're if you're patient in your early 20s and you're not flogging yourself massively in sessions and you're consistent, you can go from that 100k a week to 160 without probably a lot of risk because you're not actually like banging yourself, like you're not flogging yourself in every single session. And then if you can string together more of those 160K weeks, like that's probably going to be the thing that's going to make you closer to a 210 marathoner. Yeah, yeah, it's a longer term investment in Mm. the running. So it's not training for a marathon and then having a big break. And um, I guess like a lot of the guys that have a lot of talent, we don't really see what they can do because of the longer term nature of, of running. Because um, like I'm even finding the last month, like I haven't really run hard in any sessions, even though I feel like my fitness is actually improving every week, but I'm also finding that it's easier for me to string together, you know, 130K of training. Like I, I could easily increase the amount of volume I'm doing because I'm not actually pushing that hard in the sessions. Mm. That's what yeah. we're talking about with those workouts the other week, weren't we? Like turn the intensity of the workouts down, do some more jogging. Yeah. I, I would say that for most people, um, like for us, if if I if I was to have a fresh body, and and I would go back, I would say I'm going to actually, and and my goal was to run two ten for a marathon. I'm gonna I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna remove myself from outside stresses like like work just because, go to kenya like jake robertson kind of stuff i don't think jake i was yeah 
It would be something similar to that. You'd have I, to I'm do not... that, wouldn't you? You'd have to cut off everything yeah. else you have going on in your life. Yeah, Which you, is huge you, for us to would. do because it's like we got, you know, if you do that, then you never meet your wife, you never have your kids, you never have your, you know, other successes you got in your life. Exactly. Like you have to fully commit to it, like mm. properly commit to it. And and that means making massive sacrifices like that. That's just what, and, but like they'll run a path. I mean, if you see, like, look at what the Robertsons have ended up doing, like they made that their path. Mm. They probably don't look at that as a real mm. sacrifice. They probably look at it like, you know, this was our journey now. Um, but, yeah. But then I, I also would look back, and I, I'm sure you would as well, Moose. If if 15 years ago somebody told me that I would run two, 17 for a marathon and, and they told you you'd run 2.14 for a marathon, 15 years ago, you'd take it. Oh, like from, Absolutely, from, you'd take it. From, from, from where you were. podcast, I reckon you'd take it for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. and that's just, I remember when you ran 2.18, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and I, so yes, sub two or ten, sub two ten is amazing. But I think anybody can relate. Like anybody can take this advice on board. And it's like if you stick at it and you don't nail yourself week in week out and you string together the consistency, you can actually end up being pretty proud of what you've achieved, regardless of what time you've run. What about this one for you, Moose? Would you rather be well-rounded business owner, father, married, um, and have a world champs in two fourteen next to your name? Or just have a two hundred nine next to your name. Well, you can't take your. I mean, there's, there's not a. There's no way you can come and say, "Oh, would you rather not have your kid?" Yeah, I know. But at one time, there's, there's no answer to make, that. There's, no, it, there's only one answer to that. Of course, I yeah, want I the second one. Take out the business owner part, and 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 say you can have your family in two hundred nine, and then you you but you work like you slave away or something or you do something that you don't like, then the 209 becomes more attractive because that's just money, right? And I know like I'm at my happiest when I'm running really well mm. and, and and I feel good. Like I came home tonight with a sore knee. I was fucking like down. I, I was not, I didn't look forward to talking about running for the next hour and a half because I'm like, I'm fucking sore. Whereas when I like listen to you, Brady, you're up and about. Oh, yeah. It just changes our life outlook mm. so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> the point I was trying to make is it's I would take a rounded life and a two fourteen and getting to a very high level than being caught up on just being a sub two ten marathoner. Yeah. Yeah. What was old Nathan Hardigan saying? Like you can't make a house out of like Australian singlets or something like that. <laughs> you can't. But there's a lot yeah, of people that dedicate stuff and then you look at them and they go, oh. Like when you're finishing the sport and you've got nothing to show next to your name other than maybe a quick PB here and there, it can be, yeah, can I, be quite sad yeah. for some pros mm-hmm. coming out of the sport. When you're younger, it's okay. You don't probably, like, I could happily go through my 20s living like that again, like mm. living with just the the chase of the fast time. Um, but then things change. Don't think we answered your question at all, Ryan. But we had a good chat about it. <laughs> I, think the, I think I think the bottom answer, bottom line is we just were never good enough to run two ten. Yeah. Doesn't matter what we would have done the last twenty years. We weren't running. I couldn't even run that pace for half a marathon. Look at Brett Robinson. They got it on fifty-seven minutes something. I'm um, fifty-nine, and he he can't run two ten at the mm-hmm. moment. Like that's we're talking about. Um, no one in Australia currently being able to do that. Jack Rainer will next time he runs one. I reckon. Yeah, so will Brett actually. Next time, next time Brett tips. runs one, it's going to go and it's going to go in a waterfall. 
but it's got it, doesn't it? Because there's so much hype around it now. Yeah. Because everyone's talking about why isn't it going. They need to like... get to Berlin, I reckon. I reckon Berlin's the spot for it. It's just so fast. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's so many. There's a lot of fast ones. Yeah, London just seems to be warm all the time. Yeah. It doesn't London, seem great. It seems windy and warm. Yeah. Like, it, I just like Big gaps Berlin. Too. Big gaps, I reckon. Valencia, Seville, they yeah. seem faster. Those they seem, yeah. Yeah, not Chicago, not London. More people um, tour around that time. I think yeah. I think London brings in all the 203 guys, and then there's not many people between 203 and 210. Yeah, there's a lot of the club runners, like in the 215 to 220 mm. range, um, but there's it, there's a real gap in the middle there. Anyway, train and talk, fellas. Deke's quarters. We talked about this last week a bit, but the workout is, well, I want to get your thoughts on the workout because I've always done it as 400 on, 200 float times eight, which gets you 4.8 kilometers of on like total overall distance. You guys do the effort first and then the, the float? Cause I've no, seen I do people... the other way. Yeah. I've... I do the float first and then finish on the hard. That's the way that I used to always do it with, um, or when I first started doing it with like Ken Green's group. Well, he would have learned from Rab as well. Yeah, yeah. Moose, do you know? I did message Len Johnson just before I started talking about this to see what the actual where it, when it first started. How did they mm. do it? Which the way Rab was talking in that interview is like he was trying to eliminate the recovery time, so he'd put a float in there. So I, I can I? Can, I couldn't yeah. imagine he'd put it on the front. Well, but the, the problem is though, I think if you put the float on the end, it ends up being a six hundred meter rep. People will just people will just fly that last. You know, they won't float. They'll just run as hard as they can for the last two hundred. Whereas mm. if you float the first two hundred, you know that ballpark it's going to be a float because you're not going to you're not going to go balls out for the first two hundred and then have to do a four hundred meter rep off the back of that. Because oh, yeah, I would say yeah. as a guess, maybe they started with the effort first and then the float, and then they figured out people were just fanging it, so then they changed it. But I've always done it the effort first. And I back off a yeah. bit for that last 200. Do you know what they do? They also, like, people like to turn it into 5K to get 5K times So then you do one 200 hard at the end? Yeah. Well, no, you start it, you start it with a hard four. No, you start with a, a float two and then you finish with a oh, okay. four. Oh, wait, is that? Yeah, that would be 5K. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works and... Like, oh, anyway, that. but that'd be silly because the workout is meant to give you the four point eight k of it is meant to give you an indication of your five k shape. No, it's not meant for that. It's meant to be a workout. It's not meant to give you a calculation on something. This that's workout, just, Deke's quarters. That's well, something this, that people have pulled up on. It, yeah, it's, it's not an act. It's like that Yasso eight hundreds. This is got to remember though, this one. But you got to remember Brady. Deke used to do this every single week. So there's no way that he was going out there doing yeah, it that's going, oh, this is, my, short. this is what my five, yeah, but, but he would, he would go into it. Some weeks it would be slower than others based on how he's feeling. So at the end of the day, it's a training session, not an all out, you know, I'm just repeating the what the Godfather Rab said a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed him. Yeah. But Deke was like, yeah, for some people they'll do it like, you know, 10 days out from a race as a, just a hard effort. And yeah, you can probably get a fair gauge of, what you can run for 5k but on the other hand it can also just be a training section where you don't go where you don't go to the well Mm, yeah brady so hutchie did hutchie did um no sorry d quarters uh maybe on tuesday before his race 
um, or Thursday before his race on Tuesday night. He ran deep quarters, ran fifteen thirty something. Okay, and then he ran sub fifteen. Fourteen fifty eight. Can you remember? Said, can you remember your best deep quarters? Oh, it was like fourteen. 1425 or something. Okay, so pretty similar. Well, no, it wasn't at the same time that I ran oh, my PB. PB. When, yeah. when did this write back saying they used to start with a float? There you go. Start so with the float. Mel Norwood did it one night in 35 seconds, the 200 float, <laughs> which isn't ridiculously fast for a guy. So, like so, no. so I've been doing it the right way and you've been doing it the wrong way. Well, tell me why. I always based it on how they do it at Falls Creek. They start with the effort. Anyway, listeners, training talk. Uh, what I said at the start, describe the workout. That has now changed. Start with a 200 meter float and then do a 400 meters. Now, boys, pace. What pace do you use in the past when you do it? When you do your 400s? Do you aim for 5K race pace? I think it's between, for me, it's between 3 to 5K pace. Closer to probably 5K pace. And then mm. the float is like marathon pace. Oh, okay. You didn't have any, so so for you that'd be maybe sixty eight seconds for the four hundreds, and then did you have a time you used to about chase for two hundred? Yeah, 40. about forty. Yeah, yeah. That that should come in at about fourteen thirty ish, I reckon, something like that. I would normally do them in sixty seven to seventy, and it would be about forty seconds for the float. So, which is about six seconds per two hundred slower than what you're splitting it in when you're doing the rep. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, just, that's see, a good rule to follow. Yeah, I, somewhere around. I generally that. work. I generally work on my float being ten seconds a lap slower than the pace that I'm running for the. Um, yeah, that's a good rule for the too. efforts. I like that. Yeah. Um, another thing with this workout is it's like it's meant to get harder and harder, so you have to be smart early on. Like I often used to find, sometimes you do the first couple of reps and the floats, and you're like, oh, this feels pretty easy, but then it gets you in the long run. Like it just, and it can be really painful. Like it's meant to. What's well, meant to stimulate what a 5K race is going to feel like, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely helps with that. Mm. It definitely helps to do a workout without intervals to get some mental toughening, mental callousing for uh, the 4K mark of a 5K. Because you're doing 12 laps in total if you're doing it on an athletic track. I have done it on the roads before, program into my watch. Pretty hard to do it because you're not really sure of the paces, but yeah. if you haven't got track access... Um, I still, don't like that. Yeah, it still hurts just as much. Um but I don't think you can do it as quick as you can do it on the track because you can monitor your pace a bit more. And the pace over those short periods, what it's telling you, your lap pace on your GPS, is jumping all over the place. So you kind of just got to do it on feel and maybe just do it off the beeps and then see what is mm-hmm. at the very end. Um, you do this with obviously easy days before, easy days after. I'd call this an A workout, like it's going to hurt, even though it's only 4.8K. You're going to go to the well in this one. And it's a good way to feel like you're, feel like you're alive. It's going to hurt going to get the heart rate up um wouldn't do it that regularly because i think it is a session that people often compare finishing times to so like yeah once every eight weeks three months um how i'm surprised you actually gave it to hutchie moose how often do you give this workout to people uh not that often i normally do it in the lead up to 5ks though because mm-hmm. i do think it's relevant for that and i do like it for that and... it's a good mental stimulus for it isn't it like yeah good to just get the paces like i tell i don't give people paces for it like i might say around this effort but i don't want people looking at their watch i just want to be like hard float hard float hard float and Mm -hmm. then by by about rep number 
six, it's like, okay, this is really difficult right now. Yeah. But I've, but I'm going to, I've got to guts it out. I'm going to find a strategy to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. Anything else? I've had some, had some massive blow ups in this oh, too. So have I. <laughs> I've had a lot of DNFs on this workout. Like, and it's, it's the ones where you think you're going right after the second one. And then after the fourth one, you're like, I cannot finish this workout. Yeah. Like, and the, when the floats turn into like 45 and then fifties, and then they're pretty much jogs and then you still can't change gears. And yeah. If you're doing it for the first time, go on the conservative side of things. Yeah, and I think for the listeners, like it's one session that you do get better at. Like I think just for everybody that's done Deke's quarters, I reckon the first time they haven't got it right and the last four or five laps, it's just a grind and and there's probably not much pace change from the ons and the offs. But, you know, you do get better each time you do it at pacing yourself. And I would describe racing 5K on the track like that as well. Like they are also hard mm. to get right. Um, yeah. And the more of them you do, the better you get at pacing yourself and, and knowing how you should feel at different parts of it. So that was uh, Deke's quarters. What's coming up, fellas? Anything? I've got a Melbourne Track Classic coming up on Saturday, I think. So there'll be a stream to watch there. See, they added a John Landy mile race. Not sure who's in it yet, but it should be good to watch that one go around. And then World Indoors. What's happening in your life, Croaks? uh pretty quiet actually this week nothing oh actually viv's going to brisbane to visit her sister with the kids so i'm going to be home alone for four or five days actually friday i got a dm from viv the other day did she tell you about this uh no i don't think so put up an instagram story and the first person to write back dm'd me that was your wife vivian oh yeah Viviana. Viviana. That's when you're I... Um, I don't you're know, in her favourites there, Brady. No, nah, because <laughs> uh, I put up the news that Bendigo Bats have been promoted to Division 1 oh, this year, mate, Premier Division. Oh, yeah. And then this. Viv wrote back saying, this is fantastic, congratulations. I think you need a segment every week on the Inside Run podcast to talk about the Bendigo Bats. I'm like, good surely, on you, Viv. Surely she didn't write that. Good on you, Viv. She did, something real similar. Oh, yeah. She's she over on the couch just grinning. She's a Bendigo Bats super fan. Yeah. There so, were several people on the long run were, I had 247 DMs after that Instagram post. Why, There's a lot of Bendigo Bat fans out there. And like my first thought is, good on AB. You're not. You haven't. List. You haven't earned this this um, promotion. Like That's that is. Not, you mate. must be, Let them fly. feel really dirty about that. Like everyone else has earned their way to Div One, and you're just being gifted it. Like we weren't gifted. It, it was two years it. of a pandemic, mate, and then we rocked up to, to every earn round. Your way up. We did. We went it. to every race we could possibly go to when it, before uh, the season got cancelled. You should have heard Sticks Kernahan from Mentone. I can't believe that they didn't put them up as well, the Mentone, Mentone Mavericks. There were, there were some, even had some Bendigo people on the run and they were like... They were not. Everyone is happy. It's, it's good to see in the... This bullshit. These boys, they, give, they get gifts. They're not going to learn how to earn things. It's just good seeing something going right for the little guys in the sport for once, you know, like just the blue-collar guys from the country just trying their best Mate, in the you sport. You start doing this, you start using discretion-based promotions, it just turns it's, into it's a good mess. For, it's good for like, Athletics Victoria. Real good for them. If, say, Geelong gets put down next year, right, I'll oh, be yeah. calling first thing. Hey, we're gonna... coming back up. You put Bendigo up, we're coming back up. Didn't they? Who do I have to speak to around here? Because two people are going to go down this season as well instead of one. So there's two yeah. teams getting kicked Bendigo, out. Bendigo. Well, Bendigo we've just got to survive, I think. Like, that's what happens when you first go to Premier Division. you just got to try and not get relegated. So, um, yeah, and it'd be good to be, be, be there, though. That it'd is be good to become feeling. the best arm. Um, Feels a bit sleazy, to be honest. <laughs> it does not. It's good for the it sport does. having the most dominant team up there, I reckon. The little boys oh, from Bendigo. Uh, oh, it just gives me shivers thinking about 
what you had to do to someone to get up there. They're really rattled down there, Croaks. They know they're in trouble. That's why. Croaks, like, honestly, step back. What do the, you think? The Geelong goldfish are in trouble. You don't, without actually you don't want my um. You don't want my answer here, Moose, because like. You guys weren't even feeling teams. If you take off your, I don't know which hat you got on, whether it's Geelong or your Ballarat hat, but like the Bendigo bats were dominant in DV2 last year for the races that they ran. Like there's no, there's no way that if they rocked up every week that any other club was going to beat them in DV2. Put that on the poster, 2014 season, we were fifth place halfway. We won every round to finish on top. The season doesn't end at halfway. No, the I know. The season but, ends at the end at round 10. But, but there's no way that there's the depth in the other clubs to beat the You backs. don't know that We were shit. also beating all the Premier Division teams as well, Croaks. That's an even yeah. other argument. Like, we were, we proved it. We deserve our spot, Moose. Normally, I would say that, yeah, like, you need to complete the full season. But given, like, the pandemic, it's like, I don't, I don't think, it, I don't think it's fair to have them down there for another year. No one hmm. just got gifted things because of the pandemic. Well, let's just you don't just get gifted most... your marathon time. Just... Oh, you... oh, the race was cancelled. Oh, here, have your medal. Have let's, you just finished how... your medal? let's just see how the season goes. Let's just see what happens in the season. If we have a real poor season, uh, we'll get well, relegated okay, here you straight go. out. So, Moose, which club are you running for this AV season? Oh, I work Saturdays, mate. Work. No, but like which, all right, we, which, club, which club are you going to be with, Ballarat or Geelong? I haven't decided that yet, actually. Well, whichever one you decide, Brady, you should put a, a case on it. Whichever we'll put two cases. Case. I, actually, I, I lose a slab from the yeah. Nagoya result yesterday, so maybe two cases. Yeah, so there you go. So yeah, Brady, let's let's, let's let our feet do the talking, not, no, not no, our mouths. I, I can't put money on people that I walk like the walk, other mate. people. Just walk it. Well But you're saying that you're you're saying that they shouldn't be promoted. No well. one got kicked out. We're just yeah. they've just gone from a ten man division to an eleven team division. I just like tradition. I just like the tradition of someone earning something and then getting the receiving like the reward of earning something but that's me Chris is backtracking you he knows yeah. that his club there's hey, no way he's going to beat you back if you feel we'll like that, if you sleep well at night with that then uh, we're just different people as Viv requested we'll talk about it every week this year in a new Bendigo Bats seg- segment and then um, we'll be able to track it throughout the season so it's looking good got five guys under 1419 on our team this year actually bit of interest coming from interstate as well Croaks that's a bit that's a bit dodgy, bit I reckon. Tassie. Nah, I think we're going to try. I mean, people, nah, we're I mean, people run for Ballarat, or oh, sorry, Bendigo, who have never actually um, stood foot in Bal- in Bendigo. It's not culture. really team culture. I think they want to be a part sure. of it. Nah, we're going to try win it just off locals. They want to get mentioned on this podcast. They're fucking attention a seekers. Of, a lot of people coming. Like I do feel, a... I do feel bad that I won a uh, what a Vic silver medal for Bendigo, oh, and I've actually shit. never been to Bendigo in my life. That didn't help us, did it? We'll go through Bendigo on the way to store. I'll show you this. I'll show you the sights down there. Anyway, fellas, we're done. Josh Kerr interview part two with Luke Matthews coming up at you now. And then we'll, uh, we'll do it all again, eh? Have a good week, boys. See you, boys. Get that knee, Moose. Yeah, get that knee mm-hmm. right cross-country season, Moose. You've got five weeks, I think, first round. Fired up now, actually. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand, Pillar Performance, is leading the way when it comes to high-strength formulations to support running performance. Pillar's range is purposely formulated to support optimal recovery, elevate energy production, relieve joint inflammation, and boost immunity. Pillar has become the choice of Australian sport thanks to their formulation quality and batch testing program. Currently working with Ben St. Lawrence, Izzy Bat-Doyle, and Riley Cox, along with more than 30 professional sporting teams across the country. Pillar's range is led by Motion Armor, a revolutionary joint inflammation and longevity formula 
perfect for those with a high training load on the track, trails, or road. When it comes to recovery, their best-selling triple magnesium powder is leading the way, featuring three forms of bioavailable magnesium to optimize recovery, improve sleep, and have you backing up after every session. The Pillar team has an exclusive offer for Inside Running listeners. Head to their website and use the code INSIDERUN to receive a free sports bottle and travel tin valued at $15.99 with any purchase. To redeem this offer or for more information on Pillar Performance and their range of sports micronutrition, head to pillarperformance.com.au. Really hard and then I'm watching these Edinburgh AC athletes on a world stage doing really well but there's no in between because none of us really train there and so I'm like I'm trying to provide that middle step to be like all you need to do is you know be really thoughtful in your next steps like the university that you choose or if you don't go to university what brand to choose and what you can do to be in our position because there's no point of us being there and pretending, you know, just because we're wearing an Edinburgh AC vest that everyone's then going to continue to get there. Our goal, I, I know that Jake Whiteman and, and Chris Hare was really good at this. It's like, how can we bridge that gap? Because Chris was the one that bridged the gap to get to university for me and then bridged the gap to get to professional. And then I, you know, I want to be able to bridge those gaps back for those athletes because everyone works so hard, but no one really knows how to get there. And so, yeah, that was, that was a fun time to go back and take that medal back. And we were there for hours. I was putting a medal on every like kid and they were loving it and it was great, but it took a while. And, and it was just one of those things was like, I'm not going to stop doing this until someone doesn't want it. And, and uh, I feel like that's our job. And um, if we're going to continue to be proud of this club success that we have, let's, let's keep giving back to that club that's given us that success. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, uh, that's, that's really awesome to hear about that. Um, just okay. So now we're in, we're into the pro year, and I don't want to gloss over too quickly 2018 and and, and 2019. But 2018, you obviously had a bit of adjustment. Um, you just joined the Brooks Beast, new city, new coach, new everything. Uh, but that obviously set up a, a really successful 2019. And uh, 2019, you you opened up. Well, maybe not opened up, but you ran 335. Um, I think in Birmingham in the in the world record race. Um, and then leading up to 2019, I think you came second at the British Championships in, I think, an amazing, amazing British 1500 final. You did typical Josh Kerr going hard from a long way out and somehow Neil Gurley won. Um, but then obviously took that momentum into, into the World Championships. He ended up finishing sixth. And without glossing over too quickly, I do, like, I do want to talk about Doha um, because Doha was an amazing 1,500-metre final. Yeah, Timothy Chariot, you know, run 3.29 to win. Um, I thought Jacob was going to run away with a, with a medal. Um, but what I thought was amazing was you had three British athletes in the final. Um, you had – you came sixth in 3.32, which is incredible. I think you dropped your PB down from 3.34 to 3.32 in that race. Is that right? Uh, I think I ran, I thought I ran 33 that uh, in like May or June or something okay. at that Brooks oh, yeah. PR, but yeah. At Seattle, yep, yep, yep. Um, sorry. So, yeah, you ran 332 in a, in a major championships final, which is just incredible. And the fact that 332 gets you six is mind-blowing, or maybe not considering when you look at Tokyo. But at the time, I was just thought that that was ridiculous. The one thing I took out of that, which I thought was – I, I, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it at the time. I was just like, wow, maybe he's just saying that for the sake of it, was that 
when you 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 pretty much said almost after that Doha race that you were disappointed that you came sixth and you're disappointed that you didn't get a medal because there was a moment on the back straight in the last lap where you said, okay, a medal's mine here. How, like, I don't know. It's like, I just find it amazing that you've got such this, this amazing like high standard that you set yourself. Yeah, man. I'm, I, I respect my time very much and I hate losing. That's the thing is like, I, there was two things that happened there was I, first of all, when you're sixth, in a world championship final, you get nada, you get no medal, you get like two grand from world at like IWF. And, uh, and you walk off thinking what the, what the hell just happened? I feel like that was a good performance, but I'm, I'm gaining nothing from this really from my, from my career. So yeah, it was a, it was a big moment where, okay. I was like, yeah, that's much better than it was in 17. Um, but you know, this is what, this isn't what I'm here for. I'm not here for six. No one remembers sixth place um a world championship when someone's just ran away from it and kind of embarrassed us all a little bit you know chariot ran so well that day and it was two different races uh and so you know it was you know i'm not here to be sixth place i work hard like everyone else does i'm not saying i work crazy harder than everyone else even though everyone pretends that they work harder than everyone else uh, we all probably work very similar amounts um and i came out with six and i was just like you know I didn't spend my whole career and move halfway across the world to not see my family on a weekly basis just to come sixth. And so I was like, you know, there was a moment there where I felt like I had that medal and I told myself I would never have that moment again and not have a response. So I worked on that really hard. And that's what you saw in 2021 was that the difference between those two years was I worked on that exact moment and that it would never happen again. And so that's what, uh, I took back from that major chance was, you know what, like, this is where I need to get better. And we're, that's specifically what we're going to work on for two years. And I was able to to prove that in 2021. Yeah. And, and, and you spoke about that moment in the where you didn't want to let the medal get away from you. One thing I did notice, which you, you, you opened up the outdoor season in 2019 with, I think, a 13-28 5K. And then one of your first races in 2021 was a 13-23, I think it was, for the 5K. Yeah. Was there more of an emphasis on that aerobic engine leading into the Tokyo year? Yeah. Yeah. So we had that off year, obviously, in 2020, the COVID year. And so we just worked massively on strength. Uh, and, and you know, that was like, it was like a whole year to practice our weaknesses. And so, again, I wasn't injured. I just, I just worked every day with, with one of my teammates, Henry and, and um, Danny. And we just like, that's what we're going to work on the whole time. And let's make the 5K better. And, you know, it didn't get much better. And I hope to, to, to you know, take a chunk off that this year. But the 5K is hard. And, and uh, I knew if I could get better at it, then I would be better at the 15. But I only do one a year. So whatever I run um, as my opener in like six, eight weeks time, that's going to be the definition of my 5K that year. So, yeah, I do enjoy it. But that's what helps that, that last kind of 250, maybe even 400. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to set your ceiling too too, too low. But thirteen twenty three for a for a five uh, k is pretty bloody good. I reckon maybe for your next five k, go and uh, run it at BU because uh, I think Ollie just ran what thirteen oh seven there. So you might be a sub thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for him to like. I, I'm sure he'll roast me for running it at BU, uh, and then like he he obviously run that five k at BU. So I don't think he can try. But I think he'll forget that he ran his 5K PB at BU if he's going to roast me for that. But, yeah, good laugh. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, it, it, I feel like 
pretty much the the goal, you know, tail end of 2019. And then the fourth year off of 2020 was to really emphasize that last and that, and that strength and being able to do that in your third 1500 and major championship. Um, so yeah, set the, set the year up great with a, with a, a 1323 in 2021. Um, also just quickly touching on, on 2020, I think one of my favorite, my favorite uh, Instagrams of that year was because I don't think you'd run at all in 2020. And, and then you, you ran one of those big friendlies or one of those races in Portland and you ran 334 and you dominated everyone in the field and you just said something like, oh, I hope you haven't forgotten about me or something like that, which I thought was, <laughs> I thought was really cool. Um, sorry, that's just me being a bit of a fanboy. Uh, so, yeah, just back into 2021, um, I think away from, from, the, from the major championships, the big thing of that year was that you were really outspoken in saying that you wanted to break the American soil record um, of – I think it was 331 or 332 at the time, but you ended up running 331. Was it, did you feel going into that race that you had a bit of a target in your back? And like, how, how do you, how are you so outspoken in saying, I'm going to run 331 and then be on the start line and actually just, just go out and do it? Like, I know that in college, you kind of have that idea that it's all about, you know, upping my contract, but now it's like, okay. I'm a I'm a I'm a professional athlete now and 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 I'm doing this because I want to win gold medals. How's the mindset different saying that as a, a collegiate athlete to now being a professional athlete? Yeah, it's all about putting pressure on yourself, man. It's like it's the same reason I could show up in on August 7th in 2021 like on that exact day and that exact moment is there's no shying away when you come out and say that you're going to do this. There's no like, oh, I might not do it today because like it's a bit windy or like, oh, I feel a bit bad or I've got a stomach ache or, I, you know, I had a bad night's sleep. It's like it's the same reason that I believe in British 1500 meter running. If you're in the top three after uh, the championships and you have the qualifying time, you should automatically go to the major championships. I don't think we should ever take a fourth place, a fifth place, a sixth place, whatever it is. Um, because you're turning up on the right day and this is what the sport's all about. And so as long as I continue to practice turning up on the right day and putting a bunch of pressure on myself and be able to handle it and know what it's like coming August 7th to, you know, a, a, one of a career defining moment for me at the Olympics, like it's just another race for me. There's no extra pressure that, you know, I'm putting on myself because this is the same amount of pressure I put on myself all the time. I set myself up to get embarrassed a lot but I'm able to kind of wheeze my way out of things um, because I knew I was ready to run um, 3.30 or 3.31. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I think we can run the soil record. And, you know, I love poking the bear, you know, the old, U- the old USA milers um, having fun with that. And so I was like, you know, this would be a real cherry on top if I can just steal their own soil record, which I think Seb Co had. So another Brit had, um, it just kind of, it fuels the the banner I can continue to throw at them. And, you know, it's the same with BU, like now that the British and European record is faster than the US mile record. So I can continue to talk shit. That's all it is. I'm just running these times so I can continue to run, like talk shit with these milers. And yeah, that's all part of the fun. And, you know, I, it motivates me um, to go out and not lose to Americans and not, you know, not get my soul record taken off me, but that's just, yeah, that's just the way I like to do it. I like to keep it entertaining for everyone. Yeah. No, I just, yeah, I I remember I remember just getting the results because it's hard to watch American races from out of the states. Like I, I honestly couldn't yeah. tell you how to watch that race live. 
Um, I think even on flow track, they've got like a, like you need to have a proxy to be in the States as well. So um, I remember saying that and just thinking, yeah, that's just Josh Kerr just going out and doing exactly what he says he was going to do. Um, all right, so we get to Tokyo. Um, you win the British Championship first. I think it was your first ever British outdoor title. Um, beat yeah. Whiteman in an awesome race at the in Manchester, I think it was, uh, and then you go yeah. to Tokyo. Um, so I think the I think that the most interesting thing about Tokyo was that you'd ran three thirty one going into it. You um, had won the British Championships. Everything looked like you were just going to cruise your way through to the final. But in the heats of that race, um, you ended up finishing, I think it was seventh and eighth, and you ended up being a little kid into the final. So one, what what do you think? I'd say what do you, I'd say Josh Kerr normally, normally would want to come first or second in the heat. What would you say went wrong? And I'd say wrong in, you know, quote, like uh, um, quotations. But then also at the same time, what did you do between that heat and semi to then say, to put that behind you and then come out? And I think you ended up finishing third in your semi and, 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 and looking comfortable. I've answered this question enough where I, I know exactly what to say. I, it was by design, you see, look. Um, <laughs> so Danny tells me afterwards that he knew I was going to feel like shit in the first round. But the goal was to, because you can't feel amazing every round. Everyone has a round where like, oh, that didn't feel great. And like, you know, your goal is for it not to be in the final. But um, because we knew I was in great shape, um, as long as I didn't make crazy amounts of mistakes, I would have been fine. Like I, I got dipped by like 0. 0.0 something to you know get the first small cue in the first race. So we nearly got away with it. Um, and I, I just, I made a million mistakes, but I also by design felt that bad. Um, but I didn't know it. Danny had kind of trained me that um, with the sessions that we did and the days that we traveled and stuff. Um, but it would have been nice to be in the know uh, that I wasn't going to feel great. But yeah, from the, from the gun, I just felt pretty terrible. And then I got super frustrated and made some really bad moves and then pushed from a far way out. Cause in my head, this makes sense in my head. It didn't make sense in the day, but um, with 600 go, I was like, okay, I feel horrible and I'm at the back. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to push really hard from far out so that we run a fast enough time that worst comes to worst, I'm a small cue. Yep. That's what happened in my head. And then, so I pushed really hard and then I nearly got away with being a big cue, but it ended up being fast enough where it was fine. But yeah, super embarrassing moment after coming out saying I'm in this crazy shape and I'm wanting to win and things like that. Because I remember walking through media afterwards and they were like, you said that you're in like 327 shape and you just were seventh in a 335 race. Like, why are you lying? And I was like, ah, tough. But uh, yeah, that was a tough moment for me. But again, everyone gets humbled at some point. And, you know, sadly, that was my humbling moment um, because of how hard the Olympics is. But yeah, that was, that was tough. But we got over it and we got through it. But yeah, by design, you see. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, what 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 were the conversations that you're having with Danny between the between the heat and the semi? Was it just a just a reminder to yourself you are in three twenty seven twenty eight shape, or was it just you just being like having that typical not typical but that chip on your shoulders, being like you know fuck these guys, I'm they're counting me out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you know when you nearly get knocked out in the first round of the Olympics and you might be on the first flight home, uh, you don't really take much more for granted. Like I was coming in thinking that I was one of the favorites and then I nearly get knocked out in the first round. So the second round, I was very much humbled uh, and and kind of knew that every step was 
uh, a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a lucky one for me. So yeah, that was, it was the mindset of just, you know, we got to get rid of those negative thoughts about how that first round went. And we're just going to get after this next round because no one's going to remember uh, how bad I looked yesterday when I'm beating them today. And uh, I just remember Danny saying something like, it's going to be a hell of a story. And I thought, you know, in the moment I hadn't run the semifinal yet. And we had a day in between each round. I was like, yeah, you can't, you know, saying that now, I, I can say it's a hell of a story, but like saying it when you have a mountain of work ahead of you of the semifinal and the final, it was just a bit like, yep, lots of work to be done then. Because I think Clayton uh, in 2016 might have got a small cue in the first round or the second round or something. So he was like, you know, he was able to get a medal off of that. Like, um, you're not out of this. You just got to get back into that mental spot. Your, your body's going to feel better the next round. And so, yeah, that was kind of the conversations. Yeah, um, and just just before getting into the final, um, what? Because I feel like you're a person that needs that external, external sound. The you know the motivators of um, people saying you know Josh Kerr's not going to do this or even whatever. What was it like in a stadium that hosts let's call it eighty thousand people, but having you know maybe a couple hundred in there with just athletic people? It felt like no one was watching, and that was the crazy part. As I I'd bought a second phone for um, Tokyo. So no one had my number because I was getting like a million messages about like, good luck. And like, do you remember me from like kindergarten? I was like, no, mate. And so I bought a second phone. So I didn't have social media on that or anything like that. And so it felt like no one was watching. But when I went home, it was like, oh my goodness. Like that was obviously a massive deal, which I knew it was. But when you're in that moment, you're in the stadium and no one's there. You're like, oh, this is just another race that no one really cares about um and so it was a bit of a weird feeling like obviously after the final like the you know Jacob and um Chariot they're going on like laps of honor but there's no one in there so I was like I'm not running another lap for no reason like what the hell is the point in that um but yeah it felt it felt weird because like when it's weird because whenever I whenever I race it's like if I've run into big crowds I've run into small crowds I feel like regardless of how many people are in there, you can always hear like a specific person. Like for me, I always yeah. can hear my dad and I can always hear my mom and, and my sister. Not sure why. It's not like I specifically pay attention to them, but I just can. But in that race, you probably can hear, you know, Gert Ingebrigtsen screaming. You can probably hear the Kenyan coach screaming. Like I just, I, I can't imagine what that would have been like mid-race because usually it's just like, loud white noise where it's just loud but there's nothing distinctive um so yeah i i mean i, I wish i was in the olympic final to experience it but i'm sure that that um a very <laughs> come look yeah i'm sure it's a very new and hopefully um never seen experience again as well um so yeah semi-final cruise through um would you run like a 332 or 333 to make the to make the yeah final? that was yeah, we ran 30, I think I ran 32, and that was the race where the Olympic record was broken um, yep. by Kip. Yep. All right, so leading into Tokyo, uh, leading into the final, sorry, um, you you had the mindset that you could win this thing. Um, you definitely had the mindset that you could definitely get a medal, um, and, you know, you don't go into a race trying to come second. What actually was the lap-by-lap lap or the specific tactics if the race went just your way? You know, when I watch it back, I still think I can win, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could win this one. 
not a chance. I get absolutely pummeled that last hundred. No, uh, I think the goal was not to, the first lap was totally off script. Like we went out so hard that, you know, I was at the back and I was like, I just ran 57 point and I'm at the back. So like these guys are either going way too quick or, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm horrible at the sport now. Um, and so I saw the split and I was like 57. I was like, okay. I knew from the, from, from about two years ago, like in 2019, I was like, I'm going to run sub 330 in the Olympic final in 2020. Obviously, I get pushed the year. So I've been thinking about this for two years. So I know the splits to run sub 330 in the back of my mind. I was like, I know them so well. So I was like, Josh, just run the splits for sub 330. And you will, you will, in my head at the time, I was like, and you will win this race. And so I was like, okay. So I locked in splits. And, you know, if you look at my splits, they're pretty even. Um, and so I'm not wasting a lot of energy. I'm like peeling past people and they're obviously getting dropped from that crazy early, um, early pace. And so at that point, I think with five, 600 to go, I was like, you know, we're getting some great momentum here. Let's keep pushing, keep pushing. And then I think I was in fifth at the bell and I knew I could get Stewie cause his head was back. Um, and obviously he was running the, uh, an awesome race, but he was running with such fast pace at the start. I was like, okay, I, I feel like I'm getting momentum. And then I was trying to go past Kip Sang with 400 to go. Um, and I couldn't get past him because he was also working. And so I waited. We both passed Stewie with 300. And then coming to the back stretch, it was like, okay, I know I've got third. I know I can beat him. But second and first are too far ahead. So I'm just going to stay here. And um, because coming around the top bend, Danny said, don't go in lane two, whatever it means with 200 to go. Just throw everything you've got the last 100. And so with the last hundred, I was like trying to break Kip Sang so hard. And we were pushing with, you know, up until about 50 ago, I broke him at that point. And then I went after um, Chariot to see if I could get him, but there just wasn't enough real estate left. And, uh, you know, I dipped as hard as I could, but I was, I was pretty fooked at that point. And uh, yeah, so I was able to get third, but everyone. So the thing is, is when people speak to me they're like oh you were so close to second and I was like okay if you know anything about running you know that I was closer to fourth than I was second because if I'd gone earlier I wouldn't like because Kipsan wasn't broken he didn't fall apart he just knew he wasn't going to get third so he slowed down and so if he smelled blood with like 50 to go he would have got me um if I'd gone too early so yeah I was proud of the way that I handled it and I knew in the back of my head like 2019 this is where it went you know pear-shaped this is what I've been working on for a long time. And, and so, yeah, I was very happy with, with the way that I performed on the day. Yeah. And I think that there's also that um, maturity and um, being so calm in, you know, knowing that first and second are 10, 15 meters ahead, but you still have that mindset to be like, no, I need to sit in here in fourth position to get met, to get it to, to potentially get this third. I think that a lot of, and, and I know I have in the past, and I think that a lot of people is that it's like, okay, I need to go on the back straight. I need to go on the bend where there's so much running to be had on the front straight and so many people um, to, to, to catch. Um, with the, and I think another amazing thing as well is your last lap in that race was ridiculous as well, wasn't it? Wasn't it like a, or maybe it was your, maybe it was your 800 to 1200 split, but there was one of those laps where you ran like a 54 or 53 or something like that, was it? Yeah, I think we closed in 54 and myself and Kip Sang closed really hard because we were closing on the top two. But like like um, Danny always says, is like, you know, if I raced it slightly different, I might have got Chariot. 
but you can never think that you're going to win a race that you didn't win because you always expect the person who won to have a bit more. And, and you know, watching it back, you know, he, Ingebrigtsen was just waiting around. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I would have beaten him if I'd ran it differently and, or gone early or something because he looked like he had a little bit more left in the tank. He was just trying to win the race um, that was in front of him. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think we, closed re- like we closed pretty hard off the pace we were running. Yeah. And, I mean, you kind of touched on it there. Like you don't want to say necessarily that, you know, you could have won or whatever, but is there any specific thing like 329 in the Olympic final and getting bronze is incredible. Um, But is there anything now looking back that you think you could have changed mid race um, or even at the start of the race that could have either gotten you closer to first, gotten a second or potentially beaten Jacob? I'm really not sure. Like I, I hate if I was Jacob and he was me, and he was talking shit on a podcast to say that I would like he would have beaten me and I was the Olympic champion. I'd be like, mate, fuck off. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that because I think, yeah, I've got to give him the respect that he deserves for how hard he's worked and how he raced that on the day. Um, I don't think I would have beaten him if I changed really anything on that day. I think I think I ran my perfect race. Obviously, there was mistakes, um, but I don't think it would ever have um, finished in a, an Olympic gold on that day. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um yeah, and I, I still think it's funny, like, you'd come third uh, and run 329, but I think I even remember reading something like, oh, like, I'm, I'm so close to the British record. So it's like you, you pretty much live out your dream. You, you do everything that you say you're going to do, Olympic medal, sub 330 in a final. But there's still like a – it still seems like you're 95% happy or you're just like that – there's a there's like a – like, I just – yeah. So, so what were the main things that you say that you just were, if you could get that extra one or two percent out of the race, what are they? Is it just the British record? Is it a little bit quicker, or is it a, a silver, or is it? Yeah, the British record stunk um, because I was so close to it, and I think <laughs> I get I get in trouble for this. Um, I I screenshotted where three twenty eight point seven nine was on the clock, where and then where I was on the track. Uh, yeah, it's Farah that's got it. It's like 328.82 or something like that, or 8.80. And so when that time it stops on the clock and where I was on the track was probably about this. Yeah. And so I had that as my my lock screen for about three months just to piss myself off every time I opened, the, uh, opened my phone because I've been wanting that record for a long, long time. And if I don't put my act together, um, another Brit might get it before me. Uh, I know I'm going to hold it at one point in my career, but... Am I going to be the first to get it? I'm not sure. And um, because of how good Whiteman is, how good um, Gurley is and, and Hayward and things. So, yeah, it's like I really want that one and that I was so close to it and that really annoyed me. Um, and so, like, you're looking for that fairy tale ending, aren't you? You're looking for that, like, um, all this work has accumulated in my, all of my dreams. And but I've just got way too many in my head that I just get disappointed when, I, whenever there's not like I, whenever I don't run the world record in an Olympic final, I'm going to be pissed off. Um, but yeah, that's a big motivating factor for me is getting the British record. Obviously got two of them indoors. I want the outdoor 15. I want the outdoor mile. And, uh, and that can mean that I can, uh, I can be happy with my, my career thus far, but, it's all about medals, man. Um, and I want a better color. I'm bored of this color now, so I need to get a better one already. Yeah, it's uh, and look, like who who's anyone to doubt you? Like you're three twenty nine Olympic bronze guy. Like if you say that you want to be world champion next year, no one's gonna no one's gonna be like, nah, you shouldn't say that. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just love that mindset. Um, just now going into the, into the, into the pro scene, um, can you just one set me up? Can you just tell me a, a, a normal training week for you um, with the Brooks Beasts? Uh, you know, mileage, amount of sessions, what type of sessions? And then can you tell me um, one key session that you did or two key sessions that you did leading into Tokyo where you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to rock? Because I, I, think, I think the one which, which I saw where I was like, yeah, this guy's legit is that 800-meter cut down where I think you went 55, 51 or something like that. Um, so yeah, just, just, yeah, just, just a normal training week, because I, uh, to my understanding, you're still quite low mileage, um, compared to, you know, like Jacob and compared to other people in that final. Um, and then, yeah, just, just a couple of key sessions that made you realize that you're ready to go away from running 331 and breaking the soil record. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, for, for our training week, normally, I run now anywhere between 60 and 70 miles, normally 65 miles a week. Um, and so that consists of uh, a long day on Monday, uh, not a long run, but like a longer run. So like 10 miles, because I'm going to run between 10 and 12 miles on a Monday, but I can't double. And I have a weird reason for it is I forget to run. Like once, because I never, I've never doubled. So like when I started having Danny as a coach, he's like, Monday, you got to double. I was like, okay, perfect. So I'd run on Monday morning and then Monday afternoon would come and I would forget. And on Tuesday, I'm like, oh fuck, like I forgot to run yesterday. And then that happened like five or six times. And Danny was like, mate, like, are you serious? So I will legit just forget every single time. And he's like, set an alarm. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to run all my mileage in the morning. So I would run like 11 miles in the morning. So that's what I do now. Uh, Tuesday, we'll have like a track session again. It would be, a lot of fours or um, maybe like a pyramid session, like 200 up to a K back down at 200 or Danny changes the sessions a lot. Cause he does a lot of research and reading and, and we do lots of different sessions throughout the year. So it's difficult to pinpoint one Wednesday. I take fully off. I have a full off day on Wednesday, Thursdays um, nine, 10 miles easy Friday is like a number or a, a, another longer session. And uh, normally like a threshold kind of longer run, um like tempo kind of work uh, maybe it's tempo miles or maybe just a consistent six mile tempo or progression or something uh saturday i'll run anywhere between you know five and seven miles and sunday i can get all the way up to 16 and um, 15 16 miles so i think with warm-ups and warm downs and, and all sorts it ends up being about 65 miles a week so we do two gym sessions tuesday friday and so pretty similar than what i did in college but a uh, bit more mileage and the sessions are uh, just a little bit more specific. Yeah. Um, and I think the big thing as well, like I've barely seen you get injured. So do you think that you're able to get, you're, you're able to hover around that 50 to 60 and sometimes 65 miles purely because you've just had so much throughout your career or it's just, that's just what works for you. I don't miss a lot of days, man. So like, that's what I think, you know, when people are on really high mileage, they risk a, a lot of injury. Um, but like my approach is um, if I don't miss any days, then I'm going to consistently get better regardless of what I do. Like regardless if I run 50 miles a week, 60 miles a week, whatever it is, as long as I'm out the door and I'm consistent and my body knows how to push hard on certain days, then I'm going to get better every year. And as long as my, uh, I keep my weight under control and my diet's good and my, um, my gym work is consistent. I just, I find consistency is my biggest thing. I would rather have, um, a, a year of good days than, you know, six months of great days. So 
yeah, I, I, I think I've limited um, injury days with that, which is nice. And so I haven't really missed a day for, you know, two, three years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, it was, uh, I know, cause I'm pretty sure it's on your, on your Instagram or it's somewhere on Instagram where you did that 800 meter cut down maybe a, a, a month oh, yeah. before world, uh, before the Olympics. It was there any other specific session, like, you know, real super session or anything that you did, which was like, yep, yeah, this is, this is it. I don't think so. Like we knew that we'd have to do a hard session at sea level before I left. And so I left the next day to Tokyo, like for that session. And, and, you know, there was talk about me maybe running the 800 at that meet. And then we were like, nah, we're not going to do that. Like there's no best case scenario that comes out of that. Like we're in such a hard training block that, you know, if I don't win or like, I don't feel good, then everyone's going to know. And so I didn't really like that. And so we ended up going to do this time trial and the meet director, Jesse, who uh, does a, a little bit of work for me as well. We worked together a little bit. Uh, he was like, do you, are you okay with me filming it and putting it live on the sound running stuff? And I was like, no, that's, that works perfectly. So a lot of people watched that, which was cool. And it obviously went well, had Robbie Andrews pacing for that. But other than that, not really, like there wasn't crazy workouts. Probably they came before British champs. Danny thinks that my British champs uh, race was almost better than my Olympic final race because of how good Whiteman is. Mm. Like we have such respect for him as a racer and that I take British champs so seriously. And I think being able to beat him was such a massive confidence boost in probably a race that suited him more than me. And so that's when I knew I was good enough to do well at the Olympics is when I was able to beat him in British champs because yeah, like I say, he's, a phenomenal athlete. He's great over 800. He's now working super hard to get good over 3K, 5K. So he's going to be super dangerous this year. Um, and he has been every year. So that race was like a big one for me um, that I was super proud of, um, to be honest. But the sessions, my sessions aren't fancy, man. Not normally. I know that one was on Instagram, but it's normally just, you know, day in, day out. That's, we're just grinding. There's nothing too crazy about it. Yeah. Well, the way that you said that is that that 800 meter cut down was almost more like a race than it was a than it was a session because you yeah. almost ran the sound running. Um, and yeah, just back on that British champs, I know we did kind of gloss over it quickly uh, just because I did want to get to Tokyo. But I think it's amazing the depth of 1500 meter running in Britain now that Charlie Grice is a 330 guy. He's the you know what th- uh, what would he be fifth quickest or uh, what's he? Uh... No, he he's the. Fourth. He was fourth when he ran it, but he'd probably be down to like fifth or sixth now, wouldn't he? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not yeah, sure. But a, guy, but a guy who's ran three thirty point five hasn't made the last two majors is is pretty is pretty ridiculous. Um, which is three majors, isn't it? He didn't make seventeen either. Oh, like, yeah, seventeen twenty one. Yeah, it's crazy. That's just how crazy and hard British British chance is, and and you just got again like. There's no room for error in our British champs. And and I think it should say that way, genuinely. Like if I'm fourth at British champs this year, I don't believe that I should I deserve to go to world champs because if we can continue to put people on the team that are good enough to be good on the day at British champs, I think they should be good enough to go to the world championships. And we're gonna continue to have a fantastic British team for years and years to come if we allow those athletes that turn up on the day at British champs to have the experience of going to a major uh, and not just kind of picking our favorite athletes. And that we think are going to do well. So, yeah, it's 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 a it's a tough championships, but I I do enjoy that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you kind of touched on that. Uh, you kind of touched on something that I was going to mention as well. Is that 
Um, Jake is obviously focusing really on his on his more aerobic side now. I think he ran a 737 3K indoors, uh, which blows my mind that he ran that because he can run 144. It seems now that the 5K, pretty much in this post-Rio era, has really gone to the more 5K strength guys. How do you how do you see the the landscape of the fifteen hundred meter going over the next few years? And what are your ways? What do you think the things that you're going to implement to potentially go from coming third to being a world champion, Olympic champion in the future? That's the thing is like it's a tough question because you want to say I'm going to change this, I'm going to change that, and you know this is what we're going to do differently. But I feel like I'm doing things well. I just need more consistency with it i need more years of experience with it and that's that's the only thing i can really say because i believe that if i can continue to be in 327 328 shape which i think i could have ran if we ran it like a monaco and it's a one-off racing on the rail like i think i could run that fast if i can be in that shape on the right day every year i'm gonna get one of them man that's all i can say so i don't feel like i need to change much i just feel like i need to i need to continue to turn up on the right day and and enjoy my training and 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 feel good under pressure and uh continue to perform that's all it is i don't feel like i need to change much uh i just need to uh keep doing what i'm doing and, and not miss days yeah yep. perfect um okay um what uh now there's another one i suppose like yeah a little less serious who who are the people on the international scene or even on the on the british athletic scene that you really enjoy racing and you just yeah, you walk off the track and just like, yeah, that was, that was a good battle. You kind of touched on Jake there, but but you've also had some good international experience as well now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the more I can race uh, Jacob, the the more I don't think I've beaten him yet. Uh, he, I think he beat me at like under 20 Euro cross when he was like, I don't know, like fucking 12 or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to race him more because he's the best in the world and that's what I want to do. But again, on the US side, I enjoy racing Ollie. I think people can get hype behind that. Maybe Cole Hawker as well and, and make the Americans think that they're going to win something. Uh, and so that, I think those, getting the eyes on the sport, that's what I want to do. And I want to race in races that people really care about. So whoever whoever's good on that uh, in that month or or like who's hot at that point i want to race and I, i'm not scared of losing man that's the thing and it's the same thing with milrose is i will go out and try and push and we'll try and make it a fun exciting race to watch for everyone and and uh hopefully i can come out on top but if i don't like i'll shake that person's hand and say you know too bloody good but um i do enjoy winning but you know i'm never going to be scared away from someone else's competition i don't think you can be at this level of sport yeah yeah perfect it's a uh, the 1500 meter at the moment is is uh, it's such a good event to watch, and the thought of potentially getting back and competing against <laughs> you're going to come back for the eight or fifteen. Yeah, mate, anything at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the thought of potentially doing fifteens in just Australia is ridiculous, considering like Matt Ramson, who's a 334 guy, isn't making the team is ridiculous. Yeah. Gregson's 331, and you know not making it either. So it's like just shows the depth and then you go internationally and it's, and it's, and it's even more ridiculous. Um, I want to get this on as well, because obviously you've been on the other side of this. What, and, and, and now Brooks have brought out a spike. What are your thoughts on this whole super spike era? And what is it like being almost on the outside of it, being with Brooks and then being a Brooks athlete and wearing, wearing the dragonflies? 
So, yeah, I think most recently, obviously, we've created this phenomenal spike. And I'm so proud of um, Brooks as a brand to to pump the money in because everyone knows that brands don't make really any money off spikes. And and so for them to say, you know what, guys, we're going to work incredibly hard over the next year and a half and we're going to put you in the fastest spike in the world. Uh, it's a ballsy call. And I think it was something that we didn't need. Like they didn't need to do that. And and they've now created a phenomenal spike. And, you know, we are in that era. And I do think that, you know, I had the NCAA record the last time that we, we before the super spike. So I can still say that I've still got that. But um, yeah, the spikes that Brooks have created have, blown blown my mind a little bit actually and i went and shook uh shook our our head spike guy's hand and said look like you've done something really special here for people who don't obviously um run professionally those guys are kind of focusing on us to see what our response is because they can do all the testing they want on their own but they need us and we work really closely with them and so that was you know getting back in a brook spike uh, it was one of the best feelings and now I'm able to finish races and show that spike off and I'm just so proud of the work that they've done to put us into that shoe yeah um and you you'll be running in those spikes hopefully for the remainder of your career until they've got new technology and then people start running 3915 yeah exactly so we're working now on the next round of spikes for, you know, the next Olympic cycle. And, you know, I'm working really closely with them. I'm, I might try and convince if I can get my name in the, in the name of the spike, but I think we're ways away off that, but um, yeah, we're working on that and uh, we're, we're getting, we're getting close to something pretty special for that next round. And we're staying ahead of the curve a little bit now, which is really cool. And we're not chasing, we are the ones leading now. So that's, that's really fun. Yeah. And it must be amazing as well, being at Brooks that, um, you know, Brooks base are the predominant, like they, they are the they are the Brooks group and you're the best athlete in that group. So it must be awesome to know that these spikes are made almost specifically for you so that you can you can you can beat the world. Yeah, um, it's, it is it is a very cool feeling because we're part of a smaller brand that like not not a lot of other people can say like they've had a hand in their own spikes and and uh that's a that's a really fun feeling and that's another reason why i love being part of a, a, of brooks is like they're they use us so much more than i thought they ever would and and uh, that's a very honorable thing from them yeah awesome um but yeah I, i'm um I'm, I'm looking forward to obviously like nike have, have created this amazing shoe um and you know everyone's wearing it um but it's also now awesome to see adidas have come out brooks on um under armor have made a spike i'm pretty sure um so there's you know there's there's um it's just it's just good that 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 you know technology is evolving and and companies are, are adapting um with the with the 2022 year you've obviously got a couple of championships specifically being european um what are the championships you want to do um what are the what are the what do you want to get out of them i'm assuming they're just going to be gold medals and what are the what are the times that you want to achieve for this year? It's like you know me, look. Yeah, I, worlds worlds obviously got to qualify number one priority. Qualify for worlds. We have the time. Just got to turn up on the day at British Champs, like I was saying earlier. Uh, and then you know, getting there th- for the world champs. I just all I want to do is progress. So I want to have something better than bronze medal. If that's silver, it's silver. If it's gold, it's gold. That's um, if we can progress every year, it means that we're going to get closer to that end goal, which is obviously to be the best in the world um, at one point in my career, which obviously I think is a lot of people's goals. And then from there, uh, obviously uh, selected for Commonwealth Games. So that's going to be a phenomenal race in itself. 
that I'm going to have to be ready for. I'm probably going to be looking left and right and seeing a lot of similar faces from the world championship. So that's uh, knowing I'm coming into a year with a guaranteed major is a very cool moment, knowing that I'm going to be up against some of the best in the world and going after medals before even a qualifying race is very sick and running for Scotland. So those are big goals. Time goals, not massively worried. Um, I think, again, progress. Want to get the British record, but I don't care about doing it in a Diamond League. I care about doing it on the right day. So in a World Championship final, Commonwealth Games final, if I can get it on that day, then I'm going to be much happier. And then if we want to get after, I think Monaco's after Commonwealth Games. So maybe something like that. But yeah, again, massively focused on the medals this year. And uh, then we'll do times after that. Yeah, if there's anyone to go out and win, uh, to go out and win two medals and then run a three twenty eight or three twenty seven at Monaco, I'll uh, I'll back you. I'll pay the bills, mate. Got to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, you must be struggling over there at the moment. Um, okay, I, obviously, I feel like we've gotten a lot of the of um of Josh the athlete there. Just uh, we'll just quickly just finish off with just Josh the the person. Um, you. Uh, what, what did you study? Because you ended up doing your MBA as well, didn't you? Yeah, so I got my undergrad in communications. Uh, <laughs> not the fans of all time. Uh, but yeah, then I, I finished off with my... Ma- I just graduated last December uh, with my master's in business. So got both of those and uh, not sure they're going to get uh, brought out for a while, but I have them in that background to know that uh, if all goes toots up, then it's uh, I have some at least a little bit of education behind me. I'm not just uh, someone claiming my PBs on my CV. So that's that's the goal. Yep. And uh, recently got uh, engaged. Uh, congratulations. Uh, when is you know plans for the wedding um, engagement and, and all that celebration planning on happening? Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, my fiance is in her coming up to her fourth year of medical school, so she's much busier than I am. But she's like. Uh, why don't we do it in June? And I was like, well, are we getting ready for uh, British champs and hopefully worlds and call me some no. And I was like, okay, why don't we do it Christmas? And she's like, well, you know, I'm going to be in my first year of residency or I'm getting ready for residency. So yeah, we're still talking about it. I think it might be a little bit, but um, yeah, we, I mean, we live together. We, I mean, we share finance. So it's, yeah, we're pretty much married. We just need to have a good celebration about it, get the right timing. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I didn't really think that part through. I was like, going to get a ring and I'm going to propose, but I didn't think about the, the wedding yet, but that'll come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously you've got, you know, a few Olympic cycles left in you, a few medals, but where, what are your, what are your goals off the track and, and what's the thing that you want to get into once you transition from retirement of athletics into that working nine to five thing, whatever that is, <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, well, I, I think, I'm quite passionate about like the education of um, kind of collegiate signing professional contracts, even British like uh, university students signing contracts. Cause I think a lot of power has left the athletes uh, recently. And I think it needs to start coming back to the athletes and not the kind of companies and agents. And so I think there needs to be a, a much greater education for these athletes who don't kind of get told and get left in the dark a lot with um, the d- big, massive, you know, life-changing decisions that they make coming out of college or coming out of high school or whatever it is. And so I'm kind of passionate about that. And I want to maybe pursue that, maybe put together something that is a bit of a step-by-step process, helping 
athletes come out and, and getting what they deserve and feel like they know that they're in power um, in that position when they're and, and enjoy the process of turning pro rather than or even going to college rather than uh, making it super stressful. So something like that, maybe. And then post-college, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I do enjoy uh, staying in the sport. So probably something within the sport. Yeah. I think with that college thing as well, it's, you know, you were, you were from the UK, but being Australian, uh, it's, it's a little less now, but I remember when I was considering going to college, it's, it's a pretty tough, tough task. Like you're literally sending emails from emails that you've gotten from the website. Um, there isn't much of like a system where it's like, Hey, we're going to do this. And if you do, you have to pay thousands of dollars to a person to set you up with things. And then, even away from that post-college it's it's you know people have no idea what they're doing like I have Australians message me now being like hey like what should I do here and I'm like mate like there should be someone at Athletics Australia and I'm assuming the yeah. Athletics sorting you out um but yeah I think that you've obviously got so much knowledge that you'll um I'm almost certain that post-college you'll probably get offered something to to front up a team and um I don't know maybe you'll take over Danny Mackey um <laughs> The last, actually, sorry, last one I actually want to say is just because it is fitting that we are doing a podcast. Um, what was what was the main reasoning for setting up the podcast with um, for the sit and kick? Um, I think it, I feel like it's changes over time. The first reason was I, I you know, myself, Dave, and, and and most athletes know that post races and um, you know all the running media the questions were also similar, man. Like it was all like so generic and it was difficult because there wasn't many podcasts. No, there was, but like there wasn't a massive amount of podcasts running podcasts specifically where we can sit down and talk for, you know, a couple of hours and, and you really get to know an athlete, you know, you're getting those post-race interviews and it was like, you know, how was your race? Oh, good. Um, you know, how was your training beforehand? Oh, it was good. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to get a platform for athletes to really show their personality and, and get that, um, the audience to kind of know who they are. Uh, and so we wanted to do kind of those questions and media slightly differently to how, um, how kind of the post race interview uh, was to make it a bit more fun. So, you know, Dave came and helped me in 2019 uh before the world champs uh before doha and you know we were sitting we were talking on a run one day and we're like you know what we should just start a podcast we went bought mics and you know we did maybe four or five episodes that will never come out to live audiences that were just the worst ever uh and and then from there we were able to learn a little bit more about what we wanted it's quite funny because those episodes went out onto a dropbox which is where our training is and the only other person who has access to our training is Danny. And so Danny comes clean like a couple of weeks later and says, oh, by the way, guys, I've listened to the podcasts that are on the Dropbox. And we were like, Danny, what the fuck? And he was like, yeah, I know that's an invasion of privacy. Apologies for that. But I did listen to all of them. And we we're like, dope. Thanks for that. And he was like, they were pretty bad. And we're like, we know they were bad. The same reason they're not going to come out. So, yeah, it was uh, it was fun. And, and Dave's. Dave's amazing. We both have different perspectives on stuff and we're able to kind of go back and forth and we bring on some amazing guests like Mr. Matthews here uh, and uh, we have a bit of fun. So that's, that's a big idea with it and we, we do enjoy it. Um, the, the last podcast I listened to was the uh, Chris O'Hare one and uh, David trying to understand what Britain was and what the UK was and how the countries are set up in that was ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I it, the thing here is uh, returning the favour. I was on uh, Josh's podcast oh, probably about a year or a year and a half ago, and then um, he returned the favour by uh, 
by letting me interview him. So <laughs> always. But yeah, look, Josh, I um I just think that you're a, you're an amazing athlete. You've achieved so much, you know, by the age of by the age of 24, and you've still got so much left to go. And I think some I, there's not many people out there that go that say that they want to, you know. That, that don't have the medals that go out and say they want to be a world champion. They want to be an Olympic medal. And you've been saying these things for so long and everything that you've said has pretty much come true. So I just, I just love the athlete that you are. Um, and I'm really excited to see how the next few years going, go for you leading up to the next Olympics and then the next Olympics after that. So um, thanks a lot for, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I think that you've gained um, a few thousand fans in, in the Inside Running podcast community. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, this has been fun, man. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, both of us obviously have worked hard in our careers and I'm just really looking forward to, to seeing you back in, 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 you know, in an Australian kit and pushing, uh, pushing for medals. So, yeah, I think uh, you've got one up on me right now with that Commonwealth Games medal. So hopefully that changes. But I'm looking forward to seeing you back in back in business, mate. Uh, look, I, I reckon yours might have a little bit more weight than mine, and you'll probably, <laughs> and I'm almost certain you'll probably have a better coloured Commonwealth Games medal in July this year. So hopefully, 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 we'll see. Um, but yeah, hopefully, because what we've we've crossed paths in uh, Doha and London at two championships. So hopefully, uh, Budapest, Paris, and then. I don't know, whatever's after that. <laughs> that sounds great to me. Awesome. Thanks a lot, mate. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Switch you later. Yeah, bye. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand. Head to pillarperformance.com.au to learn more about their formulas and how they support recovery, elevate energy, and relieve joint inflammation.